This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. And whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlib offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using a bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation botanicals. And each of Seedlib's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grow 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash tonic. But they can also be used to make more complex cocktails, and you'll find those in the Seedlip Cocktail Book or on their Instagram account at seedlip underscore na. So head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. They're available in Canada and in the U.S. and now at LCBO stores across Ontario. Again, that is seedlipdrinks.com and thisfamilytree10. Hello everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane. And we are so glad you could join us for happy hour on this Family Tree Podcast, episode 148. This is a Halloween episode. We're recording this on October 30th, although it will probably come out in November. (laughs) It's okay though, I think, because our guests, although Halloween inspired me to book them, I think these conversations are great regardless of which time of the year you listen. Which time of year? Ah, the foreshadowing, our first guest, who is Nicole Luna, she is a modern day witch. No need for name calling, Alex. (laughs) As well as a psychic medium. And we talk about witchcraft, what it looks like to be a person who studies witchcraft in 2022. I would assume cauldrons and smoke and things like that, right? I think fewer cauldrons than you're probably picturing, but we talk about magic She does a tarot card reading. Have you ever had anything like that done? No, I'm not into any of that. Neither am I. That's why it was my first time, but it was pretty interesting. I like like learning about it, but I I don't necessarily believe in any of it. Do you? No, but they look really pretty and it was a really cool experience. And I do like the the spiritualism of it all. Uh, And then we speak to Nicole Baron, and she is a psychic medium and a shadow guide. So we talk about connecting with spirits, haunted houses, intuition. She actually, I sent her photos after the interview of my parents' house, which I think is haunted. And then she is like feeling that out and going to talk about the vibe she gets and if it is haunted. Just let me know. Is it haunted or not? Well, I don't know. It could be. Did she know? Well, she, no, because she had to, she would have to be there, but she can get vibes from it is, is what she's saying. Okay. <laughs> but Shane, tonight we have a non-alcoholic, Seedlip Spice 94 and tonic, taking it easy. We were at a wedding last night and just coming from a different city, the highway was close. So we got home pretty late. I'm, I'm wiped. I haven't felt this terrible in a long time. Yeah, $375 Uber from Hamilton to Toronto during surge times. I think Halloween really messed with us, all the Halloween parties going on. It honestly still hurts to think about that because it usually, folks, like costs $90 to get from our city to the bigger city. Uh, Yeah, it hurt. And you got a $150 ticket for for stop. What they call it? Stopping during rush hour. Okay, Shane had to run into a store. The night before the wedding because he needed a suit. So he was literally running in, picking, like paying for it and coming back. So there were a couple people parked on the street. I parallel parked in between them. Shane ran in. 
And I'm just waiting there in my car and my car's turned on. And then a cop just came and without, without saying, I didn't even know he was there. He just slipped a ticket in my thing, looked at me, patted my car, like in a really perverted way. No, it was like smug and then just walked away. And I was like, oh man, this sucks. Like I'm going to have to pay 25 bucks right now. I get out, I take the ticket out. $150 because it wasn't a parking ticket. Apparently, I was like 15 minutes away from that being a legit parking zone, even though other people were parked there. And it was a stopping in the middle of traffic during rush hour ticket. So it wasn't even a parking ticket. So it was like this wild ticket. And then he got everybody. And you know, this guy, his job is to give out tickets. and But everybody was getting these massive $150 tickets in a place where it looked like you could park. Like it was very confusing. Be truthful with me. Were you looking at your cell phone at the time? No, I, I think I was fixing my makeup. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. we were going to a rehearsal dinner. See, in Toronto, it's a total game. In Hamilton, sometimes they, they'll knock on your window. Most of the time they will, they'll ask you to move. Mm-hmm. In Toronto, they just want to get you. Yeah, They want that. Let's like... They must have crazy quotas or something. But that's why I was suggesting just going on a loop. Mm-hmm. But I thought if you kept the engine running, you might get that courtesy of being able to just, or, or you might see the cops. I could have moved in a split second. And honestly, somebody honked right before he did that. Somebody honked. But I was like, oh, they can't, they can't be honking at me. I'm parked. But in retrospect, I'm like, oh, no, they were honking at me to warn me. So that I could move out of the out of the area. But it was awful. And guys, like I'm I just I sobbed. I like I couldn't I can't control myself when getting confronted with like trouble. I hate it. I hate it. It's very cliche. Oh, it is. But like if I'm trying to cause the trouble, like if it was like I don't know. I don't know. It that would be different, but not wanting to cause trouble and then getting in trouble is terrifying but but do you think crying at a police officer like every time Mm -hmm. you've gotten a ticket you cry do you think that sets women's rights back 30 years no no i can't control it if if i was a man i'd be doing the same thing if it was my personality like i just i can't control it i get nervous and look shane like in interactions with me as a wife if there's any kind of negativity i just start crying because i don't know what else to do i freeze up i freeze up and i like get emotional you don't ball like that though you were tears streaming <laughs> down your face but the cop wasn't even there so it's not like he was even crying to get out of the ticket it was just you and i in the car when i started on sobbing a, on a subconscious level i feel like you think you're gonna get out of the ticket <laughs> you're already halfway to the party but oh my gosh that was so it was so stressful guys I hated that. I hate. I hated driving to Toronto. I only want to take the train from now on. Like it's. Yeah, I hate. I hate money. I hate wasting things. I hate. I, Zara was supposed to send me my suit a day before, <laughs> but they didn't send it. So then I had to go to Zara, which was an inconvenience. But it turned out to now the suit effectively cost one hundred and fifty dollars more than it should have. Huh. Anyway, what the else we- is going on? <laughs> We're doing something here, right? The wedding to- was beautiful. Yeah, and. We're getting into it. I kind of want to have some fun, Shane. So the first portion, we're doing a kind of spooky would you rather. Okay. Okay. You know that game? You're familiar with it. Would you rather like Frankenstein or a ghost? (laughs) Yeah. 
Like we're doing that? Like <laughs> sex though? No, God. No. Okay. Let me just start. Would you rather get bitten by a vampire or get bitten by a werewolf, effectively turning you into either a vampire or a werewolf? I'd rather be a vampire. Why? You get to, um, I, someone was pointing this out the other day. Um, <laughs> I like that you've already had a conversation about this. No, just about being a werewolf. It's like wolves are already scary. Mm-hmm. Being a werewolf isn't that much scarier. But being Dracula or vampire, you still get to look like yourself and you have all these cool powers. You're somehow sexier and you get to live forever. <laughs> But, but you can't ever go out in the daylight. Like you are confined to nighttime. And then what if like that show we watched last year or two years ago, Midnight Mass, what if like people just trapped you and like forced you into the daylight and then you just burn up this incredible death and die? As a werewolf, I don't think you can walk around in daylight that much anyway. You can because you're only a werewolf on the full moon. So that's like what, once a month? So you're a totally normal person leading up to that werewolf night and then you just go totally berserk. What I'd say is the biggest con for me for being a werewolf, which is why I'd ultimately choose the vampire, is that as far as I'm concerned with the lore. It's like if you get turned into a werewolf, you lose all control and you have no awareness of like who you're biting Mm -hmm. and you just go, you know, 100% balls the wall wolf. But as a vampire, you still have a lot of like, you know who you're biting. But if there's blood dripping around, I think you get, (laughs) you, it overtakes you the desire to get to the blood and you're almost driven by something higher, like. Yeah. But I do like the fact that, and I'm not sure in your vampire world, like Mm -hmm. in your mind, can you turn into a bat and fly around? Why not? I like that. That's like the classic vampire. Okay, good. Because flight is so cool. Everyone wants to be a bird if they're an animal. Just that feeling of soaring around. And although bats don't fly as cool, they're still flying. Bats fly so funny, don't they? Like, remember when we had one in our house? And poor guy, because they're kind of cute, but he's just flying, like, really. And it's not he's, like, graceful. quick little spurts and bumping into things. Oh, they're and... blind as bats the way they fly around. <laughs> the bat that we had in our house, like, we didn't know what to do, right? Shane is freaking out just as much as I was. This was, like, three years ago. But we opened up the front door so that hopefully he'd fly his little way out. But do you remember he just kind of, he kind of grabbed the top of the door and was just hanging out there, sitting there. And he was really cute. No, he wasn't. I hate that thing. It was cute. It there wasn't. Was like tiny you were terrified. Little, I was terrified, but they're kind of cute. Some, some types of bats. Okay. So we both pick vampires. Okay. Would you rather wear a funny costume or a scary costume? And what have you done historically? Nothing. I um I usually go for the bare minimum. Uh, I wear a name tag that said "Hello, my name is Bill Gates," and I wear glasses. <laughs> our our first Halloween together, though, you went all out. You hired a professional makeup artist. Yeah, I went to someone to paint my face. Yeah, you make it seem like I had someone <laughs> drive to my house and paint. I went to them. Yeah, and asked someone who was really good at face painting because I wanted to. Not just impress you. I thought it'd be really cool to be 
Royal Tenenbaums, which everyone does, but everyone does the Luke Wilson, Gwyneth Paltrow relationship. I wanted to do the Eli Cash, Gwyneth Paltrow relationship. So that's Owen Wilson's character when he's on mescaline and his face is painted like red and yellow. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't know if that would fly nowadays. I feel like that that face paint might have. I don't know. I don't know what the what it represented or like. I know he was like tripping out, but there might have been some like indigenous roots to that. Yeah, I mean that, that that's problematic enough, right? Well, like not a lot having... of people when I was on the the bus, people thought I was being the Lone Ranger, Johnny Depp's Lone Ranger. Oh, because that movie had come out, right? And you kind of have that as is established, like a depth mm-hmm. look. Yes. So everyone everyone thought it was very cool. Obviously, times change. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that was a good costume, though, Shane. And I think we had a good couple costume that year, obviously, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to lean scary, I think, if anything. What's the scariest costume you've ever done? Oh, I did my own. And like, I'm not a makeup person, but I remember in university, I was like a, a zombie nurse, mm. but I did amazing gore makeup on myself. And I'm like still so impressed. Like I had my throat slashed, but in, I used prosthetics and had like really good blood dripping. And like, it, I made my head look like it would, was cut off. Like it was pretty good. Mm. Yeah. For having done it myself, I'm still impressed. Um, Next question. Would you rather be haunted by a ghost or abducted by an alien? And I, I'm actually very curious to see how you'll answer this one. Ghost haunting? Only because I feel like as a kid, I've been scared thinking there might be ghosts around. So I kind of know what that feeling is. It's it's familiar to me, even though I think it was just a creaking mm-hmm. floor, not actually a ghost. Whereas alien, I don't even know what would happen. There's a movie called Fire in the Sky where it's very scary, it's very realistic, showing the abduction and they put them in pods and, you know, the classic butt stuff. It's <laughs> It just feels like so invasive when an alien gets to you where haunting is more just, ooh, in, in my mind. Yeah, no, I'm glad you answered that way because my initial thought was you stand a way better chance of surviving a ghost haunting than an alien abduction. Because, like, even if they just abduct you and then drop you off, like, who's going to say if they're going to drop you back off in the same country or if they're going to do anything? And, like, and what height? They, they probably don't know what a human can withstand. Yeah. So they might drop you from too high. See, I think the one instance that a haunting would be worse is if it was, like, that obviously, like, poltergeist level where it's like the house, the ghosts, everything are conspiring against you. And then your chances of survival are very little because like everything around you is kind of possessed. That seems more than a haunting though. Yeah. I don't know what to call it, but like Freddy Krueger style haunting isn't doesn't seem like it's haunting. That okay, seems yeah. like it's terrorizing. It's like a category five haunting. A, a terrorizing. Yeah, no, I, I like that. Ghost attacks, I'd call them. <laughs> okay, the next one. Would you rather get chased by a zombie or chased by a mummy? Because they're they're both like, what, kind of slow? Mm-hmm. I think mummies would scare me more. Mm-hmm. Just there's that wrapping. There's stuff that's more unknown and mysterious about it. But zombies, you're. I'd rather get chased by a mummy because... I don't know what happens. Do mummies bite you? Do they try to kill you? I don't know anything about that, but it's like I mean. zombies, they're like oozing open wounds. Like they're gross. 
I don't care. I know if you shoot them in the head, they're pretty much done. Whereas a mummy, who knows what happens? I've seen movies where mummies unravel and re-ravel and then they're kind of invisible. And there's Was like that a, the mummy? I don't know. There's lots of mummy stuff going on. <laughs> uh, the pharaoh, like uh, there's usually a pharaoh controlling it. or I, do, I don't even know how it works, but zombies, I know more about it. Yeah. Or the lore, at least. Yeah. Mummies are too mysterious. You don't have a gun. You wouldn't be able to kill the zombie. How do you know I don't have a gun? I could get one. I said that the family should take gun lessons at a gun range in case the world ever goes to S. And you were like, nope. Well, I, I, because if there is a gun in the house, I consider that like law of averages. Something's bound to happen. Yeah. Someone can find it and shoot. Like Lucy was just under our bed looking at like projectors and stuff, pulling things out. <laughs> I know. Well, and that's what happens like literally every day in the US. Yeah, I don't like guns, but if just to stay on topic, I could run away from a zombie and purchase a gun because zombies are mm-hmm. slow. I feel like mummies are a little quicker. <laughs> Maybe they're falling apart less because they're embalmed. I don't know. But I feel like a mummy couldn't drive a car because mummies' arms are so stiff and straight. Well, they'd have a problem seeing through all the wrapping. Yes, that too. But <laughs> you'd think they can probably see in their own way. If they're chasing you. Well, they have like perfect like eye holes in there. Well, you know when you're a kid and you're pretending you're closing your eyes, but really you're looking through your eyelashes. I feel like mummies are doing that a lot. <laughs> I, I like I like the idea that the people wrapping the mummies were like, let's give them like tiny little eye holes just in case. Well, they have to see unless they're like animals who are just really good at hearing noises and they do that. Oh. In which case, mummy might be in the lead if they're that blind. Yeah. Yeah. That they develop other superpowers. But you pick mummy. I pick mummy. I do. It'd be You're less like gross. Uh, Lucy and Betty. <laughs> Only lately they're going through a phase. Okay. The final one that I want to ask. Mm-hmm. Would you rather be the first one to die? Yes. Or the last one to, to be alive? So like apocalypse of whatever kind. Do you want to be the first one to go and just be like, see ya. I don't got to put up with any of the death and destruction. Or do you want to be the person who's been through every battle and you've seen it all and you're the last human standing? Last human standing. It would be cooler. I couldn't picture you as that guy. Only because because you've told me repeatedly, you're like, if there's a nuke that goes off and, you know, we have to deal with the after effects, I just want to get taken out in the nuke. Whereas I'm like, no, we're going to start a civilization up north. Well, for me, it's like, what? what's the point in being alive if nukes are going off and our way of life is going to yeah. be so bad? Really, it's just our instincts to want to stay alive that is propelling me to be alive. But I am very crafty and sneaky. So I think those instincts could propel me, even though my intellect would be saying, what's the point in doing this? Emotionally, I'd get caught up in human nature to want to stay alive. Yeah, for me, I'd have a hard time envisioning myself as the first person to die only because I still feel like, you know, when you're a young person and you feel just a little bit invincible, Mm -hmm. I still have that sometimes. I think we all do. It's almost impossible for people to think of themselves dying for more than 10 seconds. Is that a thing? Like 10 seconds? Yeah. It's to like protect our happiness. Oh, wow. Actually, I get in a really interesting conversation with Nicole Braun in the interviews about she hired a death doula to like stage. It was like a three day long death process, like in kind of uh, Empire Records. Wait, for whom? For herself. 
she's alive though. Yeah. It was like to go through, like to face the fear of dying and death and like go through and like contemplate your death only did you get for into like three co- days. Did you get into the cost of that? No. See, this is why I miss you in the interviews. That's a great question. Doulas are expensive. Birth doulas anyway. I wonder if death doulas are more or less. I would think they would have to be less, but the business is so niche. Like, yeah, that to make a living, you'd have to really hold someone over the coals. <laughs> um, but yeah, I say with that, let's let's get to the interviews. Okay, but before we do that, let's let everyone know who we are supported by. We are supported by the Miku Pro Smart Baby Monitor. This is the most accurate sleep and breathing monitor that you can get your hands on. We love it. And honestly, from my experience, it made my second postpartum journey so much more relaxed because I actually felt confident that I would know what was going on with my baby because it was so accurate and it was so fast acting. Plus, what I love about this smart monitor is that there's no physical contact made with your baby. Like, you know how some monitors have you wear, like have your baby wear like a sock or a chest band or something. But the Miku Pro Smart Baby Monitor uses sensor fusion technology. It's like a military grade thing. And it works with your smartphone to alert you of changes to your baby's vitals and also nursery conditions. Plus, they use crypto security. That means there is no hacking because that is something that would keep me up at night. The fact that hackers can hack into baby monitors, like there's nothing scarier. So this cannot be hacked. And aside from those like, you know, high tech features, it has amazing HD video and photo Great night vision, like the best I've seen. And there are also custom dual Ole Wolf speakers and a two-way microphone. So that means Miku not only plays original sleep sounds and lullabies, but it allows you to talk to and comfort your baby. So you can get this at MikuCare.com. And if you use the promo code FAMILYTREE10, you're getting 10% off. This is for the U.S. customers only. And again, that is MikuCare.com and FAMILYTREE10. We are also supported by Mini Miosh. Mini Miosh is a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable clothing company founded and created in Toronto. Mini Miosh believes in quality over quantity, and they make, like I'm telling you, the best basics that you can get for your littles. They're fashionable wardrobe staples that are soft, comfy, and timeless and can be passed from child to child regardless of gender. We got hooked on them years ago with Lucy and everything that she was wearing at that point, Betty is wearing now. Their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low impact non-toxic dyes. And I am so thrilled to say that they have just come out with their first women's collection. The second drop is happening anytime now. And it's the simple French terry, beautiful quality. It's made ethically and sustainably. And honestly, everything like I went and I was like their model for the thing because I love their stuff so much. And I put on every single piece in the collection. It is wonderful. You are going to love it. And I cannot wait to get my hands on some pieces because I do not have any yet, aside from what came in their first drop. But Mini Miosh and Emin West, the women's collection, they're on a mission to leave the planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it. And they believe that every little bit counts. So you can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code ThisFamilyTree15, you're getting 15% off your order. 
This is available in Canada and in the US and it is only one use per customer. So load up your cart. And again, that is miniMiash.com and this family tree 15. And now let's get to our conversation with Nicole Luna. So Nicole, you and I connected today. It was a last minute thing. I appreciate your enthusiasm for coming on because this idea struck me. I've been feeling, and, and I don't know if this is offensive to witches, but I've been feeling Halloween-y and this oh, is <laughs> when you think about witches, right? But mm-hmm. of course, it's not just a Halloween thing for you. Absolutely. This yeah. is your life. And I'm hoping that you can kind of fill us in on what that is. What is a witch? Because we all have ideas. How do you define what a witch is? So for me, um, a witch is somebody who is on a evolutionary path of seeking self-knowledge, of connecting with spirit, somebody who is really interested in transformation because that's really at the root of it. That's what magic is. It's about kind of co-creating your reality. And for me, a lot of that has looked like focusing on my personal healing. And yeah, it's it's about also um, really offering back gratitude for your day-to-day experiences in a way where your everyday life becomes magical. Okay. And when you mentioned magic, Are Mm -hmm. we talking a metaphorical magic that we kind of create within ourselves, like an appreciation for things? Or are we talking about actual magic? Actual magic. But uh, the appreciation for things is what I think um, goes into living a magically charged life as well. So Mm -hmm. magic. Okay, I guess what I'm at, what I'm trying to get, (laughs) what I'm trying to get to without being so direct. Mm-hmm. To what extent are, are do we actually mean magic? And I, I just want to kind of set this up so that when we have this conversation, when we go through this episode, mm-hmm. listeners and myself, to be honest, because I am I'm so far out of this world and I mm-hmm. really want to try to understand it. But to what extent do we mean magic in the Sanderson sisters sense, the Harry Potter Uh, sense. You mean, okay, so you mean um, theatrical magic, like what you would see in the movies? Yes, yes. yes. Anything (laughs) like that, yeah. Very, very little actual real magic has much to do with Harry Potter or, you know, what you would see depicted in movies. You know, I can't pull a rabbit out of a hat. I can't do any of these kinds of things. Magic is is generally about working with energy and working with spirit to create change in your life. So when you say spirit, mm-hmm. it ends at the T. There's no S. So it kind of sounds like it would be a spirit with a capitalized S as in like a god, goddess type yeah. of thing. Is that how you're referring to it? It depends on the witch, really. For me and my practice, I work with a god and a goddess. I also work with angels. I work with my ancestors, my spirit guides. I work with a lot of spirits, but I use spirit with a capital S sometimes just to kind of create an umbrella term. Um, Some witches choose not to work with spirit at all, and, and they're kind of a little bit more along the lines of believing more in the scientific basis for manifestation and and, um, law of attraction type of work. Okay. And when you say you work with spirit, with a god, a goddess, your ancestors, things like that, what do you mean you work with them? 
Mm -hmm. So in the same way that you might, uh, depending on like your religious upbringing or whatever, you might pray or set out, like light a candle or something for a saint or things like this. It's all about trying to create some sort of personal relationship with the energy behind behind these um, entities, behind these uh, spirits and deities, really kind of through meditation, through looking for signs in nature, through kind of asking for things, receiving things. It's about creating a working relationship with these spirits. So yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's different than, than prayer. It's different than worship. Although for some witches, it can be very, very similar to worship. It's about creating, I would say a relationship with spirit. Mm -hmm. And when when do you realize, because you are not just a witch, you are a psychic medium as Absolutely. well. And mm -hmm. that is a whole other fascinating world that I know next to nothing about. And it appears my community is super fascinated in all of this as well, because when I put it out there, everybody was jumping on it. Yeah. So when, when in your life, like I want to know about your journey before we get into some things, because we're going to go through a reading, we're going to talk mm -hmm. a bit about spells, and then I want to get into a bit of like myth busting and just Absolutely, talking about yeah. perceptions of witches. But before we get into that, I want your journey. Like, do you just wake up one day when you're 19 and say, I think I'm going to look into witchcraft and find my path there? When do you figure out, hey, I'm a psychic medium? Is it something that you had inherently or is it something that you developed? So a little bit of a combination of both. I definitely was always interested in spirituality. I was really interested in like ghosts and uh, spooky paranormal things growing up and um, would pick up books from the library, like even as like a really small child um, about witches and just kind of inherently felt called to the world of magic. Didn't really totally understand that there was an actual real community of people who practice magic, who, you know, for some people, it's part of their religion. So I think I've always been called to it and really felt drawn to it. And it was really, I think, maybe only, only to certain people in my life, in my late teens, did I start discussing being called a witch. Um, I was raised in a Roman Catholic home. Um, so there was kind of it wasn't like directly frowned upon, but it was pretty much acknowledged that that was something that might not be totally supported. <laughs> I want to interject a little bit there because I also was and I still like I teach in a Catholic school, all that there. I mean, you could describe Roman Catholicism as kind of witchy in itself. There's a lot of ritual, a lot of worship of things, including nature, um, yeah. but it, a lot of lighting candles and incense yes, and these kinds it's of things. Quite, yeah. It's quite witchy. It's very witchy. <laughs> People in robes. Yep. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So I think for me also, one of the other reasons why I was initially drawn to witchcraft specifically was because I really liked the idea of looking for a divine feminine, which was what, you know, there's, there's the Virgin Mary, which you know, she's still my girl. I still really like feel a bond there. <laughs> but um, I think I was looking for something uh, where I could participate a little bit more actively. 
And yeah, I went off to university and I, I was a, an English and history major, but spent most of my time in the library looking at like occult and spiritual texts rather than like doing what I was supposed to be doing. Where did you go to school? Because I think you're no, ca- you. Yes, because yeah, you're Canadian. I am Canadian. Right, and I okay. used to be a school teacher too for like 10 years. Look at this. So- I'm English and history as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, you know, all of this kind of just came about really gradually. And I always was interested in, um, I always had like spiritual tools. I always had crystals. I always had tarot cards. I always kind of was doing my thing on the side and with girlfriends and stuff. And for a long time, it was just for me. It was just like a practice that I did for myself. And a friend of mine and I started hosting spiritual events where we would get psychics and mediums and people to come and do readings for people. And we were kind of on the events side of things. Um, And then there was this one event where one of our readers didn't show up and I kind of stepped in and it felt really, really good. And, you know, so then I had my daughter and I was on that leave and started doing readings for people when she was napping, like... (laughs) you know, all these kinds of like things. So it was just kind of a gradual permission, I think, that I gave myself to start showing up for people in this way and being really honest about who I was and what I believed. And also try to dispel like a lot of the myths about what witchcraft really is. The mediumship came in a little later. The psychic abilities were developed through trusting what was coming through intuitively in the readings and also by looking at the cards. But I had a like a really big resistance to working with dead people for some reason. It just scared me. It felt a little bit like eerie and weird. But I started just getting downloads about about things during readings. And so I eventually just kind of embraced it. And I don't always connect with people's deceased loved ones. Sometimes it's their spirit guides. So it's just generally kind of more of a connection with spirit and uh and then also those psychic messages that come through as well. Okay. So there's two things that you said that I want to ask about. So working with dead people. So you actually, and I guess this comes into maybe a definition of what is a psychic medium, but there's actual communication in some regard with dead people. Yeah, sometimes. I never like to guarantee anything because I won't, in my readings generally seem to be focused on, I'm a very... um I'm a very honest psychic. Like, I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, let's talk about like when this tall, dark and handsome man is coming into your life. (laughs) I'm much more, and this is the witchcraft side of things. I'm much more around like, let's fix why the tall, dark, handsome stranger is not coming into your life. Like, Mm -hmm. let me call you out on your shit and then let's co-create change in your life, whether it's magically or through self, like self-awareness practice, there's a practice in witchcraft called shadow work, which is very similar to like, you know, going to conventional therapy, but with a spiritual edge, really looking at your trauma in a different kind of way and taking back your power. That's huge in witchcraft. Uh, so the first time you then connected with a deceased person, was the shit not scared out of you? Um. You know what? I was much more, I think, in awe of what was coming through because I I recall the first big aha moment that like, holy crap, this is real and it's actually happening was because I got the person's name that had passed. 
And it wasn't like a, t- I can't remember the name right now, but it wasn't a, uh, like a John or a, or, you know, a mm-hmm. Joe or a Sally. It was like a pretty specific name and the emotional reaction from the person that I was doing a reading for really created this like beauty in, in that connection. And there was no fear, Mm -hmm. but prior the resistance part, that's when spirit actually made me feel afraid because I was waking up in the middle of the night, kind of feeling like I was having panic attacks in the middle of the night. When I realized that it might've been spirit trying to connect and come through and really started to create some boundaries around things. Like, you know, if you're a psychic or you're, or sorry, if you're a medium um, or sensitive to to spirit, you don't have to talk to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have to, like you totally have your free will and you can put up boundaries. When I started to learn how to do that and saw that generally speaking, spirit was pretty respectful of those boundaries. It really alleviated a lot of fear for me. And I haven't really had, knock on wood, I haven't really had too many overwhelming experiences. The one the, the overwhelming experiences I've had have actually been in Salem, oddly enough, but um. <laughs> I'm not shocked. <laughs> I've been to Salem once and even I felt just, I, I don't know, an eerie heaviness, like walking it's around. Heaviness. It's interesting. Yeah. There's some parts of town that are just gorgeous and I really feel called to the land Beautiful. here. My and some of my ancestors are originally from this area. So there's some work for me to kind of do here on a personal level. But yeah, there are definitely some buildings and stuff where I'm like, mm, I just don't feel good here. You know, like it's there, it's old. It's a really old area. And there's a lot of weird stuff that's happened here. Okay. So. When you said that, you know, you'll be doing a reading and then you'll get a download. What do you mean by that? So when I was in the beginning stages of like psychic development, I used to call them thought pops. Like, you know, when you're talking to a friend and an idea just kind of like organically comes into your head and you might hold back from that. All of us are intuitive. All of us have psychic gifts. The only difference is that psychics actually say those things and then learn when something is meant to be said and when something is meant to be held back. So that's the difference in like tuning your psychic ability is knowing whether or not a message is for someone or if it's just you. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So th- this is fascinating. And here, like, I'll, be- I'll believe anything, Nicole. Like, I <laughs> I don't, and my husband's the same way. We have very much open minds to absolutely everything because, like, who are we to know, right? And, I mean, I've had weird experiences. I described one recently on the podcast. I'll probably put it on this one again since it's going to be have this theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm pretty sure the house I grew up in was haunted. Like weird stuff. But mm-hmm. again, I've never had a tarot reading done. I don't know much about tarot cards at all. And I'm I'm kind of excited to do this. Yeah, me too. Okay. So are, <laughs> are we, do you want, do you want to step into that? Let's do that. Yeah. Okay. And wait, can can these things happen over Zoom? Like how does Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I have had I've also had a lot of readings done and I think that that um leading up to me doing readings for others, I got to experience a lot of good readings and a lot of not so good readings and still to this day like to receive support from people and almost always it's online and virtual and I've never found it to be to be any less accurate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Mm -hmm. 
All right. So let's um, pull a few cards I'm kind here. I'm scared, to be honest. Like, I actually feel Aww. scared. I've, I've stayed away from this just because I've always been kind of scared, but in a fun way. Well, the good thing is if we do run into any kind of roadblock here that's indicating that there's something that you need to be aware of, we're going to ask the cards what you need to do, right? So it's ne we're never going to leave you hanging. So it's enlightenment, <laughs> really. No. And I think it's important, you know, maybe that your listeners know that if you're looking for a reader and someone does make you feel uncomfortable and like you're being left hanging um, or they tell you like that you're cursed or you have some sort of nasty energy on you, like huge red flag. Any time a reader tries to create a dependence on the relationship, mm -hmm. big, big, big no, no. Okay. Yeah. That's good to so know. That's yeah, really good I just know. wanted to say that because, all right, let's see here. Guys, I'm shaking. Listeners, I'm like, <laughs> it's it's excitement and uh, nervous energy. Hmm. All right. So first thing I will say is that it does feel like you're kind of coming out of a time where there have been some ups and downs, maybe some stressors in life. I feel like there's been quite a few things that have kind of been put on your shoulders, like, like it's all on you. The thing is, it does feel to me that you're doing a really good job with trying to stay positive and trying to really look on the bright side of things and, and keep that forward momentum. Because I've got the five of cups here, which can indicate, you know, kind of going through some personal loss, going through a little bit of um, feelings of self-doubt, feelings of, you know, pessimism even. But it came up with the with the uh, intuitive download for me that you actually are really looking on the bright side. So you can see this woman who's looking at these cups that have spilled over, but she has two that are still full. And I think that in your case you actually are doing a pretty good job with trying to remain positive throughout this time. Now, the other person that I will say, and I, I is that your partner, I think, has been a huge, huge support system to you through any kind of ups and downs. And if there's been any sort of little like, I don't want to say like full blown, like a full blown mental illness sort of situation, but any kind of like little struggles here and there with like maintaining that, that positive outlook. I think that your partner has been there really as a person that you've been able to lean on. I've got the two of cups here for you. So, you know, I would say going forward that the two of you are now coming together to really collaborate and plan the next phase of your life, which to me feels like um, a big sigh of relief, almost like some of the more challenging um, parts of the pathway ahead have have been crossed already. And I'm feeling a lot of really busy, exciting projects coming up. And the two of you are going to have to balance a lot of like the work home stuff together. Are you guys thinking about like a house or an investment property or something? Because this feels like it could be coming up for you in the next little while. I, I hope, I hope, I hope not. We have, we have a house, we have an investment property. Oh, you have an mm -hmm. investment property. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there could be something that I'm just feeling this intuitively, something that goes on with the investment investment property. So either it could be some sort of renovation or a change of hands if you're renting it out or something like this. But it does feel like in the next 
uh, six months to a year that there's going to be like some situations involving that property specifically. Um, I'm also feeling like there's a possibility here of considering bringing in a new family member. And when we talk about this, it could be a pregnancy, but it could also be a pet. So I don't want you to freak out. <laughs> you don't have to definitely like jump into baby territory again if you don't want to do that. But it does feel like um, there's going to be kind of an expansion going on within the family unit. Well, it's interesting because just tonight, a couple hours ago, um, we, we, so my grandmother, who's now deceased, had a cat. And then when she went into a home, she, she couldn't bring it with her. So Shane mm-hmm. and I took over ownership of that cat. And then with the kids and everything, it was just getting a lot. So my parents were like, you know what, Alex, we'll take the cat because our, you know, our cat passed, whatever. So we, we'd love to have her. So my parents have the cat. My parents left for Florida today. So the, the, taking care of the cat is on me. Right. However, my mom called me crying right before they got on their plane because the cat has been, she's about 17 years old and she's been very, very sick. And she got really Mm -hmm. sick right before they left tonight. And she called me to tell me I might have to be there to put her down. Like it might be on me because they're away and she doesn't want to have her suffering. Oh my goodness. So that, that might be on me within the next couple of days if she doesn't improve. Yeah. So it's, it's and I don't know, maybe going through that loss and seeing, you know, seeing maybe how your children enjoyed spending time with this pet, maybe it will spark something for you going not maybe, maybe not in the near future, but it kind of feels like we could be talking about the summertime and maybe thinking about a pet coming in. Mm-hmm. Into the family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you have any questions that you wanted to ask the cards? I can ask questions. I don't yeah, know this, Nicole. You can. you can, of course. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So like what, can you give me an example? Is, my listeners are going to laugh at me because I think judging by the response, say a lot of them have had this done before. So yes. they're going to think I'm a total noob, which I am. But <laughs> w- what kind of questions can I ask the cards? Um, you don't have to ask specific questions. You can say like, give me more information about this area of my life. And then we can pull on that. Okay. Um, health. Like, can I ask about general health? Like, um, in my own health? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, it kind of does feel like there is a little bit of anxiety that's really kind of feeling maybe trapped kind of within the body sort of, um, almost like we've been dealing with something that's progressive, um, maybe something that you've sought out help for before. And it does feel like there's going to be kind of like a conclusiveness to whatever whatever it is that's kind of been popping in and out. It feels like maybe, you know, it's it doesn't feel generally like there's anything really upsetting that's going on, but it kind of feels like there's a, a new plan of action for how to kind of deal with this or deal with any of like anything that's symptomatic that's related to, and it feels chronic, like something that maybe has been going on for a little while. It feels like there's maybe a little bit of frustration regarding like how to deal with this going forward. Maybe we've tried some different things, but overall, it does feel like you're kind of moving into a better time when it comes to your overall wellness and health. And anything that does come up in the next little while feels like solutions. It doesn't really feel like you're hitting a wall or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So if this has been going, if, if there's been an ailment or something that's been going on for a while, it does look like there's, um, there's 
a pathway forward for improvement here. But overall, I do feel like more so than the physical aspects of your health, they're really bringing it to like the mental health piece, relate any relation to, you know, worrying, like worrying, anxieties, um, stress, and like how that kind of plays a part in just your overall kind of well-being mm-hmm. picture there. Mm-hmm. And so what card do you pull for that? Like what, yeah, what does so that say? I had say? the eight of swords come up for you, which is definitely like the anxiety card. Do you have problems sleeping at all? Um, no, I'm a great sleeper, but I do. I have, I have chronic uh, illness. I have, I have lupus. You have lupus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's the chronic piece that we're talking about. Sometimes this card can come up too. If, um, if a person is feeling like they've tried so many different things and they're now just like kind of throwing their hands up in the air and getting to the point where they're just so fearful about how things will progress. Um, but then I had the Knight of cups and this is very much about like, you know, being on a quest to find answers and results for the problem. So I do think you might meet someone like there could be a doctor or somebody else. It could even be like an alternative healthcare practitioner who swoops in and kind of gives you, um, it could even be like very holistic feeling like there's lots of layers here. Like there's a medication, but then there's also an eating plan, but then there's also supplements. <laughs> like it feels like there were, there's like a lot going on yeah. here. But I do feel like you're going to start to see some relief from this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Any I like of the this. symptoms. Mm-hmm. And now can I ask about like, I don't even know where to start asking about like relationships. Like I'm mm-hmm. in one. I'm happy. Yeah. What, like the health of a relationship. Can you ask about that? Like, I don't know. I don't know what kind of question, cause I don't have any specific questions. So I'm trying yeah. to formulate one. Like what no is worries. something that somebody might ask you? I would just go with like, tell me what I need to know about my marriage. Tell me what I need to know about my marriage. Yeah. Tell me what I need to know about my marriage. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and show me the cards. Do you mind if I, I'm yeah. going to tape a little bit for a quick promo? Yeah, please do. So here you are here. Okay. Oh, I look pretty there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the queen of cups and this is just really, you know, kind of discussing your the role that you play within the within the relationship and you're very creative and very compassionate and also probably very intuitive even if you wouldn't call it intuition like there's that that deeper emotional kind of knowing that you bring to the dynamics of this relationship where is your partner let's pull a card and see what comes up here yeah, I think that um <laughs> your face. <laughs> I do think that sometimes your partner is the one that is like needing more like he's very energetic. I feel like v- very much gets into that place of like needing to like scratch that itch of boredom and like wanting to constantly kind of be stimulated and get getting out there and doing things and and this sort of thing and I think that you you definitely drive the ship in a really big way whereas he's just kind of happy to go along for this ride to be quite honest um I really feel like the relationship is super solid in terms of like the the relationship dynamics here um also did you guys did you guys know each other for a super long time before you got together like were you childhood friends or was there anything mm-hmm. like that? No, we had met briefly. He directed me in a music video for our friend's band, The Arkells. Like, oh, cool. Yeah, years ago in 2012. And then we lost touch. 
just because we were both dating other people. So we didn't like, we weren't like flirting on site. And then uh, we, he found my ID at a bar that I was partying at as like Mm -hmm. somebody in my early mid twenties. And he messaged me about it and was like, Hey, I found your ID, but I thought he was a bartender. I didn't even recognize him. And I was like, I was in Barcelona at the time. And then it was this weird thing. And then a few years after that, my cousin matched up with him on Tinder, but she had met somebody she loved the day before. And she's like, I can't waste this guy. And then she set us up. And then after that first like date, we were exclusive and then and got married a year later. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I have the six of cups, which sometimes can indicate like a childhood romance or like something that like stems from childhood or high school sweethearts that turn into something else. But it does sound like the road still for, for you guys connecting romantically was kind of a long one. Yeah. Like it did take time. It did, it, it did kind of, you know, take, take a little bit of time on, uh, on both of your parts to come together at the right time. Um, but I also, when this card comes up and I'm hearing from spirit to talk about past life stuff with you. Everybody likes to know about their partner and how they related to them in a past life. I really do think that the two of you were best friends in a past life, almost like childhood friends, even. I'm very called to this childhood experience. Mm -hmm. And I think you could see it play out in your relationship just from the amount of fun that the two of you are able to have together. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So obviously, you know, I'm feeling like with you coming in as this queen of cups, And then his energy also being this like fun, jovial energy. There's a beautiful combination here of passion, um, common um, interest and uh, long-term goals, which, you know, super important in the relationship. Um, But then also there's this like beautiful karmic kind of link from past lives where the two of you had an experience where you were really just like really close, good friends. So this is the lifetime where you get to experience um, a new layer added to to your connection. And it's it's a romantic one. Mm-hmm. Well, I couldn't imagine being just friends. And I'm like already oddly jealous of the woman he was with in the past life. If it wasn't me and we were just right. buddies. Yes, I'm pissed. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I hear that for sure. But, you know, I do think that The only thing I will say that I think comes up sometimes is there can be kind of a a disconnect when it comes to certain types of communication, not about creativity, but sometimes just about like understanding each other's, each other's kind of feelings, like the feelings there's, there could be like crossed communication that happens sometimes. And, you know, this happens in a lot of relationships, but I, overall, I feel like you're very intuitive and you have an easier time kind of being able to tell when something's up with him, when something's up with you, it's almost like you need to, you need to like be able to like voice it and communicate it for him to understand effectively. All right, Nicole, we're going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs, you've heard me say it so many times and I will continue to say it. They make the best bras that you can get your hands on. I first became acquainted with them when I was nursing Lucy and it was literally the first nursing bra that I had because I just needed one and I sent Shane out in the middle of the night to get one. He came home with a Bravado Designs bra. They just like picked up by total fluke fell in love with it because not only was it just like practical and it was easy to use, but it was so comfortable. 
great quality and really like the only thing that I could wear on my breasts because breastfeeding hurts as you may know. Uh, and now what is really nice that I have successfully weaned my second and don't play it on breastfeeding again is that they have an everyday collection. So these are bras with no clips. They are not for nursing mothers. They are for anybody with boobs who wants a comfortable quality bra. You got to check them out. And if you want to get your hands on them, you can go to bravadodesigns.com or you can head to the Canadian website for access to, I believe they have the full everyday collection there and that is ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 and you're getting 20% off. That is so significant. Again, that is bravadodesigns.com and thisfamilytree20. And now let's get back to our talk with Nicole Luna. Okay, I'm trying to think of something else. I'm trying to think of one one good one to end it on. What's what's a good yeah. question that might provide me a little bit of insight into I don't know, any aspect. Shane's coming out with the TV show. Is there something That's I could exciting. ask about that? Like Sure you could. Is it, is it gonna um, go well? Like what can we do to help promote help get it out there? And I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see here. Oh yeah. So you know what? I've got the temperance card here. This is very much about being balanced and being patient kind of with the process as it unfolds. As I'm sure you know, sometimes we have to expect there to be little hiccups along the way, but I'm I'm really feeling like this is this is something that um, has been in the works for a while and has really been thought out and creatively planned. Um, and so because of that, I think that the promotion aspect of it and getting people on board and getting excited, people excited about it is going to be relatively easy. <laughs> I think that people are going to be, um, you know, really, really quite interested in what he's going to be talking about and what he's going to be like covering with this show. Um, I also am feeling like there's a lot of travel that's going to be coming up in the near future for the two of you. Some of it is together and some of it is separately because of your own creative projects and how they're all going to pan out. For him, I do think that that you're kind of coming along a lot on his travels, but there might be a few times where he's going to be gone for an extended period of time and you're going to kind of be holding down the fort and vice versa, to be honest. I think that there's also going to be these creative opportunities that come up for you. And then I really think that when all is said and done, there's just going to be this family celebration. That's something to really look forward to. I don't know if you guys are planning like a launch party or something, but it really feels like there will be some sort of celebratory um, way that you kind of mark this pivotal moment in his career. And I, I think actually before the end of the year, you guys are all going to take a family vacation as well. We better. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. really hope so. Yeah. I'm itching for guys one. On the I'm seeing all of you guys on the beach. All right. Mm -hmm. I, I dig that. That's I'm looking at St. Martin and that might be go. all I need. I love it. Um, Perfect. This is so cool. So how like how long does it take? And now I'll step out of the reading portion. But how long does it take for you to feel as somebody who practices this like comfortable pulling cards and reading them and telling somebody what you what you see and what you feel in that? I think it's, it's different for everyone, but the more you practice, obviously the better it is and, and, and the more comfortable you're going to feel. Um, also I think that within, you know, psychic mediumship work, a big 
big part is calling in the right client, you know, because I've definitely had experiences where people are like wanting to know the winning lottery numbers. And (laughs) it's like, well, let's talk about the reason why you're not making enough money right now. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? So I kind of, um, I'm very like unapologetic in the way that I address people's issues. Um, (laughs) and then we, we also look at people's astrology and stuff in readings. So it's a really like holistic, way, I think, spiritually holistic way of, of kind of getting to the root of some bigger, bigger issues when I do my work. But yeah, it takes time. It takes time to be upfront with people and to sometimes deliver information that people are not interested in hearing. And, you know, there are a lot of people who seek out psychic advice and they kind of go um, like psychic hopping and like hoping for a different answer <laughs> um, from this reader and that reader and that sort of thing. And sometimes I'll have people come back to me. I think like to, to sum it up with your question, I've become more comfortable when I hear feedback from people about what I've said manifesting coming true and also how they've taken the advice that we've discussed and applied it to their life and seen big change. So is is psychic reading, is that always done with cards? Because like I think of psychics with like a crystal ball um, with <laughs> that maybe go into trances. Just mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to go into like literature and things that I that I know just inherently and things that we know as a culture when it comes yeah. to psychics. So what are different ways that that some a psychic can be a psychic? Yeah. So I, it totally just depends on a person's gift. So sometimes people have a very clear way of kind of seeing the future without any tools at all. And there are times when I feel emotionally connected enough to a client where I don't need a tool. Like I don't need to take the cards and use the cards as a tool. But yeah, tarot cards, oracle cards, um, using pendulums to kind of ask yes or no answers or get yes or no answers. Um, I also like to introduce runes sometimes in my readings, which are um, a Norse alphabet that are used yeah. for divinatory purposes. Oh, Midsummer. Uh, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then astrology can be predictive. And if you're psychic and able to, or if you're in tuned with your intuition, you can look through um, people's astrology charts to kind of get information and piece things together. All of these things I would say are tools to affirm what your psychic abilities are already telling you. So like I might get an intuitive hit on Uh, like some stuff that was coming up for you before we got started. I was like, we're going to talk about some sort of piece of property. We're going to talk about weird projects. That's pretty specific. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, we're going to talk about like specifics with work stuff. You know, it, it felt like it was coming through about both you and your partner. So all of this was coming through before we got started, but then the cards are my way of kind of reassuring me that it's now spirit's will to deliver that information. And I guess like does it does it change the outcome whether you go runes whether you go what pe- what but, but not pendulum yeah the, pendulum yeah mm-hmm. so does it change the outcome of the reading depending on what you use or like not outcome but the message I guess I think it changes the way the message is delivered because with pendulum work it's usually a yes or no and then me leaning into the why right whereas the tarot or certain oracle decks will probably offer a a deeper kind of um, message 
Whereas the runes generally are speaking to like a big overarching energy that's kind of present within the person that you're doing the reading for. So yeah, they all have their own flavor for sure. And is there like a certain one that's uh, associated with the dead and bringing up the deceased? Is that like a whole different thing or... For me, the mediumship piece has always been channeled. So I've always received information as like intuitive, intuitive knowing, feeling like I can feel out whether it's a masculine or feminine energy that's coming through and kind of, it's always been a knowing for me. Like I don't visually with my eyes see Mm -hmm. the dead. That's not how I connect. Um, Some people, like there are some other tools that people use specifically for working with the dead and you know, it's just not something that I've chosen to kind of include in my practice. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, generally for me, channeling is is what I would call it when I'm specifically connecting with spirit or somebody's guides. And you you talk a lot about like intuition. And you mentioned earlier, correct me if I'm wrong, I probably will be, but that it, it's just about connecting with your own psychic abilities. And do we all have that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely, we do. And I'm sure everybody has had at least one experience where they've had uh, a knowing that something was going to happen, you know, that something even was going to happen to a friend. Really, it's about kind of getting out of your own way and allowing fear to no longer kind of guide the dialogue between you and a person unfortunately, or like wanting to like make them happy. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, it's not like when I typically when I deliver messages to people, it's spirits focusing on what is what is going to really help this person right now? Like, how are we going to help them? Right? Mm -hmm. Like, and less about telling them about all the things they should be scared of. So yeah. No, it's, it's fascinating to me, because my grandmother, the different one that I was speaking about earlier, she was very in tune with her dreams, mm-hmm. I guess. It was interesting, but, and like, you know, we'd laugh it off a lot of the time, but then there were some really stark examples of, no, like, it's kind of scary. Like, I remember, you know, she had a, a sister who was sick for quite a while, but not deathbed sick. And then she had a dream one night, uh, and she goes, oh my gosh, so-and-so, they're they're dead or they're going to die. And then the next morning, we got a call and then we were planning a funeral. And that's a very common thing for people to dream of someone's passing. Mm-hmm. And then, it's kind of a special gift, actually. Yeah. And even with her own, she kind of knew what was going on. Um, it was all very, very interesting. And then right before she passed away, she was just like staring straight her eyes were super wide she was staring straight up and calling to her husband and that was a super interesting because she hadn't her husband died a long long time ago they and they didn't even necessarily have the best marriage he was not Mm -hmm. a good husband but she was calling to him and it was a really scary in a way and beautiful moment um and it was kind of like worlds colliding you know? Yeah, it's amazing. I've heard several stories about people at the, at the end of life being able to see family members talking about family members and this sort of thing. And I like to think that it's because we have pe- a familiar face that will greet us when it's our time to go. Oh, I love that. I love that thought. I love that belief. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope that it's something like that too. 
And now I want I want to ask you about spells. We talked about when sure. I was messaging you earlier. Like, is it possible to learn a spell? Can a non witch yeah, do something like this? Okay, of course. And by the way, there's no like poof, you're a witch. There's no test. You don't have to have a license or anything like this. Like there are witchcraft traditions in the same way that there are, you know, different denominations of Christianity Mm. or whatever. Um, Although witchcraft in itself is not a religion, um, you know, there's Wicca, which is a religion that they practice witchcraft. But yeah, anybody can be can be a witch. I feel very much like a muggle. So this is <laughs> this will okay. be exciting. Okay. No problem. So I brought a few little goodies here so that we could make a little protection uh charm bag, which is very easy. And I think everybody likes to feel secure and safe. 100%. And this is just something that I would generally encourage people to keep in a place where they do feel where there's some fear. So like if you've ever had somebody come into your home that you didn't feel super secure about, and now you've got that, that new alarm system, but you're (laughs) still for whatever reason, really paranoid. Or if you've had your car broken into, or you don't feel safe walking home at night from work or whatever, um, this would be a spell that you could do and a little talisman, or we would call it a charm bag that you could keep on you or wherever you feel called to place it. So for this spell, you just need a tiny little like organza bag. You can get them from the dollar store. You need a piece of paper and a pen and you need some crystals. Now there's lots and lots of protective crystals. We could be here all day talking about which ones are the most protective, but generally speaking, black stones are really, really great for protection. They tend to um, absorb negative energy or block out negative energy. And then if you want to add an extra layer here, you can use protective herbs. So tonight I'm using mugwort and lavender. Now, witches generally do like to work with plants and and their medicines, whether that be in tea form, tincture form, burning them, um, you know, smoking them, whatever whatever (laughs) we're up to. But in this case, we are um, just going to be calling on the energetic abilities or the energetic um, spirits, if you will, of these plants to add a layer um, to this spell. So I always cleanse my space before I do any kind of spell work. And it's also a good idea to kind of like look into if you you want to get more advanced, you can plan certain spells around certain times of the year, certain phases of the moon, this sort of thing. But I like to use a little bit of rosemary when I'm cleansing a space. I will just take some and kind of pass the, the bag through the smoke, pass my paper kind of through the smoke, just cleansing and getting rid of you know, any heaviness or or energy that's in this space right now. And I will also cleanse the crystal that I'm going to use through the smoke. And if I was on my own here doing this in, in, in privacy, I would probably do a little bit of a meditation, really thinking about the outcome of what it is that I'm trying to manifest. I might light a candle for myself. I might call around my ancestors, my guides, the god and goddess, whatever it, whichever, whichever energies that I'm really wanting to bring in here. Um, and then what you're going to do is on the piece of paper, you're going to write an I statement. And in this case, it's going to be I, for me, you could, it could be I am safe, but I decided to write, I am divinely protected. 
So that's what I've written on my piece of paper. And I'm going to fold this piece of paper towards myself because when we're bringing something to us, we want to fold things to, or towards ourselves. If you're banishing something, like let's say we're doing the same sort of spell, maybe it's a little charm bag, anti-anxiety charm bag or something like this. You may choose to, to fold it away from yourself if you're saying like, I banish anxiety or something. So we're going to add this piece of paper that's folded to our little pouch here. And then again, if I was doing this at home, I would take the crystal. I would kind of take a few moments to meditate with it to kind of tell it what its job is. And in this case, it's like, Hey, you, you know, you're going to keep me safe. (laughs) And yeah, if people are interested, I'm just using a black obsidian, but you can use any protective stone, pop it in the bag. And then you're going to sit with the herbs that you're choosing to use, you kind of want to talk to them for a moment, call them by name, smell them. You know, I've got lavender here. It's it's lovely smelling. I'm really kind of just, again, set the intention that these herbs are going to, are going to support you and are going to do the work that you're asking them to do. And I just take three pinches of this, of the loose herbs and add them to the bag so that we have something that looks a little bit like this. And then usually I'll sit with this in meditation for a few moments, um, or some witches will do something called raising energy, which is where they will chant something over and over and over again. And in this case, it could be, I am divinely protected. I am divinely protected. As many times as you feel necessary, you may even choose to start as a whisper and allow your voice to, the point is to basically demand that this is happening like like believing it within your entire um heart center really kind of pushing it out there with force into the universe i believe in this you know and then we're just going to close up the bag and this can go in your in your car in your bra in your purse at the front of your house wherever you're feeling like you need protection that's, that's awesome. a quick little quick little spell That's awesome. My girls are obsessed with crystals and rock shops and everything. And they don't get it. And I I really don't get it too. But they have already started at four years old, like a pretty big collection Mm -hmm. of different crystals and rocks. So I want to I want to look into what we can do with that. Just, you know, I, I, I think it's an interesting way to just connect with things that are natural. I think it's very cool. Yeah. And you know, sometimes just placing crystals around the house with intention is enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's no incantation. The inca- There are incantations, but there's no like, there are books and things that have specific words that you can use. Mm-hmm. Some of them are very old. It, it just depends on how technical you want to be about your magic. You know, some witches practice like in addition to um, connecting with, with herbs and, and that kind of spirit those spirit forms, some witches will refer back to ceremonial magic and and those sorts of rituals. But that involves a lot of, um, you know, a lot of study, a lot of dedication. Most witches these days are are creating their own words of power. Mm. And what is even the point then of doing that? Like, is there an idea that it's stronger magic? It's more likely to work? Like, what would be the point of studying that much and really enveloping yourself in all of that? 
I think that at the end of the day, when we're talking about like higher magic, like when we're talking about ceremonial magic or, or getting into like a more devotional witchcraft practice with working with gods and goddesses and these sorts of things is you're trying to, you're trying to heal something bigger. Mm-hmm. Like we're, this is practical, what I would call practical magic. Like it's something that we're doing for a specific purpose to achieve A, B or C. Right. But just as a, just as a, and aside, if I'm creating little protection charm bags all the time, something's wrong, right? <laughs> On a more yeah. fundamental level, like it's it's a bigger or a personal level, I should say. I obviously don't feel safe. Why? So mm-hmm. the, the bigger practice of witchcraft is about peeling back those layers and really looking at yourself and being like, what happened? Like what, what happened there and how do I transform that? And so magic can, these, these more in-depth rituals that study that dedication to the process, to that process, to learning, you know, maybe an elaborate ritual or whatever. Um, It's just so that you can really put in that time and effort and dedication to your healing. So, you know, meditation is huge Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Right. No, a lot of I, I like that kind of self-healing. I sorry, you could probably hear my kid. She keeps coming yeah, no downstairs. <laughs> um, I like that self-healing aspect to it. And mm-hmm. that, like you said, transformative aspect to it. I think that is I think that is so cool. And there's so much power in that. And then it makes me think like no wonder women have historically been attracted to witchcraft over men, because even now, I mean, you look at healthcare systems for women and they are so internationally underfunded as opposed to men's healthcare and yeah. just therapy. And it's like, you know, if a woman was anxious or depressed a hundred years ago, they'd stick a vibrator up or, or give her a lobotomy or something. might work today too, a little bit, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Good. It, it wouldn't hurt. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's really it's no surprise that women have gravitated toward finding strength and empowerment and I think self-healing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and that seems to make a lot of sense to me and I kind of want to m- move into and I won't take up too much more of your time, but just a couple general like questions about just things that I've been thinking of and want to ask pick your brain about. Can men be witches or are they like absolutely. automatically wizards? Like what is Men 100% can and are witches. Salem has a massive community of male witches. (laughs) Massive community of male witches. Yeah. The practice of magic is, is, and not all people who practice magic call themselves witches. Some call themselves magicians, occultists. It just depends. But men can certainly call themselves witches. Mm -hmm. And is there a limitation to the magic that can be practiced by different types of witches. Hmm. Like, can you, like when I'm thinking like limitations, I'm thinking like love spells, like the genie in Aladdin. He's like, I could do anything, yeah. but I can't make somebody fall in love with you. I can't yeah. raise people from the dead. Is, is, are things like that possible? I think that the genie from Aladdin was leading with an undertone of ethics there when -hmm. it comes to magic, which is definitely something to think about. There are some people in the magical community that believe in something called the rule of three. It's not an overarching 
like thing that all witches do believe in or must believe in. But there is, if if you believe in karma, there is this idea that whatever you put out will come back to you. So yeah, you're going to want to be a little bit careful. Generally speaking, magic tends to work in a more harmonious way, karmically, if that's the belief. When you're not targeting another person, when you're not going against somebody's free will and these kinds of things, but there are there are witches that practice baneful magic. What's what's baneful magic? Magic with the intent to harm someone. Oh, okay. It's like voodoo mm-hmm. dolls and stuff. Well, voodoo dolls are a type of sympathetic magic. So you could heal, help to heal someone with a voodoo doll or harm someone with a voodoo doll. The idea is that the doll is a is a physical representation of the person. So let's say somebody's going in for surgery. You might take care of that doll. You might like make sure it's comfortable or put put little clothes on it or tend to it in some sort of way. But if it's your if it's somebody who abused you, there could be a cathartic healing process involved for you on both a metaphorical level. And then also sometimes there's been lots of examples of situations where people have harmed dolls, poppets or voodoo dolls with the sake of hurting mm-hmm. someone else. For, it depends on it depends on the, the practitioner. For some people, baneful magic or harmful magic is meant as a way of releasing your own anger, your own frustration, your own pain, and not necessarily with the actual intent to harm. Mm-hmm. But there are people out there that do that do want to inflict harm. It's very un, it's 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 not very common. I do imagine though that there would be like a like a market for that, right? Like there's a market for everything. Yeah. But then yeah. like even it's like when I think of limitations like love spells and raising people from the dead. Yeah. Is that, does that exist in your belief system? Well, raising people from the dead, now that we're coming up to, you know, Halloween (laughs) um, and uh, witches, not all, but many witches follow something called the wheel of the year. And on, it's usually the 31st of October, sometimes up until November the 2nd. This year, I believe it's on November the 1st we have a holiday called Samhain. And Samhain is the time of the year where we acknowledge the presence of our loved ones who are able to cross the what we call the veil um, that exists between the, the worlds of the living and the spirit world, and that we can communicate with them. So if we want to talk about raising the dead, what we could actually be talking about in witchcraft is setting out an um, a table for your ancestors. So photos of grandma. Maybe you bake her favorite cake and leave it out for her. Maybe you put out like, um, I don't know, maybe she played bridge and you put her, her set out Mm -hmm. on the table and her favorite flowers. And in that way, you're calling back her spirit to spend time with you, whether it's just to be like, I miss you. And this is the anniversary of your death. And I love you. And like, thank you for being with me in spirit. Or if you're wanting to actually communicate with with them in a a stronger way yeah we're not we're not actually raising people from the grave um <laughs> but it's a metaphorical bringing people back um mm-hmm. from the dead it's like mm-hmm. very much uh dia de los muertos like the mexican Absolutely. tradition yeah mm-hmm. yeah very much so um Samhain is a celtic festival but- okay i've heard of that before I've, mm. I've read up on it before. I must have because it's, it's so familiar, that word. Yes. Fake psychic or witch versus real psychic or witch. If I have a listener who's like, you know, maybe they want to go. Maybe they want to 
book a session with you over Zoom, but maybe they want to go and see somebody in person. How yeah. do you how do you know if somebody is going to scam you versus somebody who's actually going to I don't know, have some kind of greater connection than we have? Yeah. I mean, I think in the world that we live in now, it should be relatively easy for a psychic to be able to provide you with a reference, whether it's like a Google review <laughs> or, yeah. uh, or, you know, maybe they've got some testimonials or something from people. So that's a good idea to look into that. Um, see how they describe the work that they do as mm-hmm. well. I don't think anybody should make promises when they're, when they're advertising their services. I don't believe that, you know, I'm, if, if, if you've come to a reading and you're really hoping to get information about your future, um, but then you really are hoping your past grandfather is going to come through, I can't promise you that. You know what I mean? Like, I would love to be able to connect everyone with all the people that they want to connect with all the time. But I believe that I'm crossing a moral code if I if I'm trying to, like, bring them in and and it's just not happening because then, you know, I don't know. I think that that. Anybody who says they can absolutely connect with anyone, I I feel like they might be making up the messages from time Mm -hmm. to time Um, because it doesn't always come through super clearly that way. Nine times out of 10, you're going to be able to connect with who you want to, but I always leave that little that little openness there. And then obviously if anybody, this is unfortunately something that could ha- won't happen until you're actually in the reading. Um, but anybody who talks about you being, having a curse on you, they can remove it for uh, the low, low price of $5,000, whatever. Anybody who like slides into your DMs and tells, says that you have a dark energy around you and that they can give you a reading, like huge red flag consent always has to be like the number one focus when it comes to um, delivering a reading to someone. And my last question, have you ever predicted something in your own life, whether through (laughs) cards or whatever? Like, is it easy for you to do that? Like if you were in a relationship, could you be like, is my boyfriend cheating on me? And then go through your cards and be like, yes, he is that bastard. And then go and find the evidence. Like how, how easy or difficult is that for you to do? Very difficult. Very that? Because I'm an, a basket case of anxiety. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, truthfully, I do think that mostly it's much easier for um, readers to tune in about other people. And when we tune in for ourselves, there's usually there's a layer of bias. Right. It's it's not to say that you can't predict things for yourself and you can't use the cards. I, I pull cards for myself every day, but it's usually a, a kind of a more spiritual message related to my healing process, related to the magic I'm working on or doing and that sort of thing. But I have been able to effectively channel spirit for my career and for creative workings in, in creating, um, you know, programs or classes or things that I'm offering. That's been very, very helpful. But generally I think that the, there's just a very, there's a very strong personal bias. And if I could help myself like that, that would kind of eliminate the need for me to go through these kind of healing processes also. Yeah. Witches, readers, we all need, we all need our supports as well. No, I like that. I like the fallibility. I think it makes the whole industry a little more personable and approachable. But Nicole, this has been so much fun for me. Like, 
I, I could probably go on for another hour because there's so many things I want to know. And I just want to talk about Salem. It's so beautiful there. Salem's super cool. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And congrats mm-hmm. on being there, by Thank the way. You. But where Thank can you. listeners find you? Where can they find you on socials? Where can they go to book a session to check out your shop? Anything. Cool. Yeah. So we have a studio space in Salem where I offer um, classes and in-person ritual for people who want to experience kind of a more authentic witchy thing when they're in town. All the tickets and information for that can be found at modernmagicsalem.com. We're also on Instagram as modernmagicsalem. And then for me personally to book a reading or to know about what I'm up to or or, follow my witchy journey, I'm uh, at highest good readings on Instagram and highestgoodreadings.com for booking readings. Amazing. And honestly, Amara, I think I want you back on. I want to talk about how this comes into motherhood and oh, how God. that plays. Like it all came through motherhood. <laughs> that's a whole that's a whole other discussion. Like that's a discussion about the sacred feminine. I want to know if you bring that in because you have a daughter, right? Yeah. And I gotta we, know about this. Which you stuff together all the time. Yeah. And you know, the mid midwifery, those those women are very witchy. There's a level of layer of feminism in witchcraft, the idea of witch meaning woman in total control of herself. Like it's Ooh. it's so powerful and like we could talk for so long. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I gotta have you back and I want to I wanna get on all these topics. But thank you so much for taking time out to speak with me on such short notice. This was amazing. I really loved it. I had a great time. Thanks for having me. And yeah, not only so thanks for not only being our first witch. but also for my very first reading that was like very exciting yeah good I'm hoping it was helpful for you and uh yeah if you're ever in Salem definitely stop by 100% nice Mm. meeting you Nicole take care so nice meeting you Bye. bye all right and that was my interview with Nicole Luna and from there we're gonna go right to the discussion with Nicole Baron, a little like back to back. It's like it's like a Halloween double feature movie night. So enjoy this discussion with Nicole Baron. Nicole, welcome to this Family Tree podcast. This is our the spiritual slash Halloweeny extravaganza episode, and I welcomed a witch on last night. And today, you are my first shadow guide that I have ever spoken to, not even just in the capacity of an interview, but in my life. And I'll preface this entire talk with saying that I, aside from last night, she was a witch and psychic, I have never entered into this realm at all. I Mm. don't know anything about astrology, aside from the fact that I'm a Pisces. It is, it's such a realm that is um, so unknown to me. And I'm really excited to kind of uncover this with you. So if we can start, how do you describe your psychic medium and a shadow guide? Can you define each of those things for us? Yeah. So as a psychic medium on that part, um, I will do my, I believe everyone's psychic and just, you know, you're a Pisces sun. So you're like very psychic. (laughs) I'm a Pisces rising. So like, I see the world through that lens while that's just your like vital nature. Like your vitality is just like through psychic energy. And it's really funny because I was listening to one of your podcast episodes and it was something between you and your husband where you were like trying to fill out his emotions. And so when you're just now, when you're like, I'm a Pisces son, I'm like, oh, that's so clicking so hard. I'm like, why you're like, we're like, let me feel out the waves of my husband's emotions <laughs> to figure out what's going on. 
but essentially the way I read psychic energy is I'll just kind of read someone's personal energy. My lens is a little more through like mm, a healing standpoint. So when I do a reading, it also kind of comes with like, Hey, these are some things that you can work on. Cause like the shadow work, I integrate it into those readings. Um, and then as a medium, I really consider myself a medium to can, I do evidential mediumship with connecting with crossed over loved ones. And then I'm really big on, um, animal spirit guides. So mm-hmm. a lot of times, because I work with that medicine so much that, uh, sometimes during readings, I'll be like, Oh, this animal spirit, you know, wants to work with you in this capacity. Um, but as an evidential medium, it's really important for me when someone has a loved one come through, or they're looking to connect with a specific loved one that I'm getting very detailed evidence. It's not just like, Oh, they were really nice. It's like, Oh, they did this for a job, or this was a hobby, or I'm going to tell you something like very specific between you two. So you can confirm this is your person. Because to me, it's, it's really important to, to not be super vague because over there the way I explain it is it's sometimes like walking into like a really busy restaurant or a DMV so like when I know this is your person it's not just like the collective of your people on the other side talking it's your specific person that you want to connect with um so that's how I explain it (laughs) so okay how do the messages come through for you like how do you get that information do you hear somebody talking do you see somebody do you just have information automatically like how does that work Yeah. So I do a lot of boundary work. So I'm not on all the time. So I see stuff out of the corner of my eyes pretty frequently and I'll hear stuff and I'll feel sensations, but I really have to tune in and focus to be like, okay, we're going there. A lot of times if I'm talking to someone, like I'll see stuff around them and I'll like do this and people are like, you're terrible. Eye contact. I'm like, I'm sorry. There's just like all this stuff around you. (laughs) And also it's like a boundary thing. Like I don't want to tune into someone's energy without their permission. Like, I think it's kind of violating and gross. And even with crossed over loved ones, like I'm never going to go up to a stranger on the street, even if something is coming through, because I don't know what kind of day that person's having. I don't know where they are in their grief experience. You know, I want to be as like respectful as possible for everyone involved. But when I'm in a reading, I close my eyes for it because I get like this black backdrop and I can see all the images and I can feel all the sensations in my body and I can hear the messages. And I find every spirit is a little unique in the sense, like if, if I'm connecting with someone's crossed over loved one and that person was like a little more quiet, they may be more visual and send me a lot of images. Maybe they're not as like much of a talker per se. Um, but I try to use all of my clairs and sometimes it's, it's just the clear knowing, like I'll just receive something that feels like a factor of memory, but like, I've never met that person or their crossed over loved one. And that one's always the trickiest. I feel like for folks, cause it's like, know this information, but you don't know how <laughs> or why. Okay. You said using all my clairs. I'm a total lay person. I don't know what the hell okay. that means, but it <laughs> makes me think clairvoyant. Like, is it something like that? Yeah. yeah so there's, um, clairvoyant there. I think there's like nine or 10. I try not to, even though I like do this professionally, like I'm not super attached to every term in the sense like clairvoyance is like clear scene. It usually is more visual images and things like there that clear audience is like you hear things. Clairsentience is like um, clear. You feel the sensation in your body. Claircognance is uh, when you just know uh, clear. There's also the clear, like you can pick up on smells and tastes. Sometimes I'll have that come through. I'll like smell a really strong smell. Like if they're a smoker, sometimes I'll smell smoke. And I'll be like, was this person like a smoker? So it kind of de- depends. But I think there's technically like seven or eight clairs. I just 
I can't remember all of them. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so fascinating. So when did you – like at what point in your life were you like, I have this part of me. I have this gift. I can tune into this. I'm going to – I'm going to look at that more. Like, were you a little kid being like, ooh, mommy, don't go to work today. Like, something bad's going to happen. Or does it come later in life? Like, I, I don't know how that works. So I'm not like a ghost whisperer, like the show Ghost Whisperer, where I see full-blown apparitions where I can't tell the difference between a human and a spirit. Some mediums are. And this is like, I just want anyone listening who's like thinking that maybe they they are to just to know that every medium is different with the way that they see spirit and things like that, or, or feel them. But I don't see like full body apparitions very rarely. Sometimes if I'm very connected with that person, but I do remember when I was little, my grandma passed in seeing her and my, my father was, we went to like visit her grave. And I can't remember if that's when she was buried or we went to visit afterwards. I think I was around five or six. And that's when actually my Pisces rising kicked in at five degrees, which is interesting, but I saw her and my father was upset. And I was like, why is he upset? She's right here. Like, I just mm. saw her so clearly. And I remember that. And she's still like one of, she's still a prominent spirit with me, but she just adored me and I just adored her. And that's the first time I was like, huh? And then I would pick up psychic information in my family, but it was like the gross stuff. So when I would bring it up to my family, they were very in denial of like abuse that was happening and like really awful things. And so it made me question myself and what I was just feeling intuitively about like things happening in the family. I was like, Oh, I'm just making this up then. But like years and years later, it all came out of the woodworks. And I was like, aha, aha. Okay. I wasn't, you know, I knew that something was not right with these things, but my mom and I, my mom was a sensitive and we lived in a lot of haunted houses. And I just remember like constantly just see, just, it was just a mix of like seeing stuff and feeling stuff and hearing stuff. But I also thought everyone had that. Like I thought that was quote unquote normal until I got a little bit older. Um, I want to say like a little bit before grade school or maybe that's grade school. I can't remember. And that's when I was kind of like, oh, this is maybe not maybe not everyone experiences this stuff. And then I just attribute it to the haunted houses I lived in. And then as I got older, I was like, no. But then when I got pregnant with my son, I like really pushed it away for a while. I've always been into astrology and the cult. And when I was growing up, my mom and I would go to the metaphysical shops, but it's not until I started my breathwork journey at age 27, 26. I can't remember now. And that kind of opened me to working with cards. My husband randomly gifted me a tarot deck. He just thought that I would like, and I was like, Ooh. And then when I got pregnant with my son, it was like blinders were taken off and the floodgates were open. And I find that it's kind of a common theme for those that have been pregnant, that they feel their sensitivity to these things very escalated. And that's when I was like, okay. I got to figure this out. <laughs> okay. I, I want to sit here for a second because the woman I had on last night brought this up as well. And she said she, she said motherhood kind of really started it all for her in a different respect. There was an interest in it before and then motherhood really brought it out. And my audience is not entirely, but predominantly moms. Mm -hmm. 
a lot of dads too, but predominantly moms. And I want to talk about that connection. Why do you think there is such a connection? Like I feel it too. And I don't know anything about this stuff, but I feel it too. And I, there's so much magic in what happens over that nine months, what happens in the birth process. And then when the baby comes out, like it's, it is so incredible. And I mm-hmm. have never felt so in tune with myself and so in tune with like, I guess the natural world, um, Mm -hmm. as I have when I became a mom. So where's that connection for you? There's two, well, two things that really, at least in my experience that helped me was one is, you know, I had a very traumatic upbringing and I had a lot of disassociative tendencies and I never really felt safe in my body. And when I got pregnant, I like, had to confront that shadow aspect of myself and really learn how to connect with my body and not even so much for myself, but for my child. So it was really like being able to step outside of myself while still being very in tune with my body. And I think a lot of people have this idea with either psychic or mediumship that you need to leave your body or you need to like travel outward And no, like you need it, you, you're using your body to feel all these things. You need to have a strong connection with your body and your root space and be grounded. It actually can do you a disservice to like try and disassociate it out of there. So I think when we're so in tune with our body and so kind of like hyper aware of it, it just kind of recalibrates us in that way. And then for me, it was also surrender. Like I, I realized I can do my best, but I, I can't really control everything. And so the surrender, I think, helped me being able to surrender to the spirit realm in that way. And also honoring that I'm a human and I can, I can do my best to provide, you know, as healthy of a space for my baby and all these different things. But like, it's for me personally, someone who, you know, has done a lot of work around anxiety and panic attacks and things like that to just have that trust and surrender in the process of all of this and like put things in place to feel safe and supported, but not try and hyper fixate on all these little things. Cause it's not just me, it's this baby. And there's just things that you can't control in everything, you know? Um, and I know that really helped me just kind of surrender to the process of my gifts in the spirit world. Okay. So when you say like spirit world, spirit realm, right. Cause you, cause you just did, how does that work? I'm trying to picture how that works with like my understanding of death, which is, again, like I'm down to believe anything. I like to believe that there's something and we're not just worm food because that gives me a lot of comfort and a lot of hope. Um, but I like what what does the spirit realm or the spirit world look like? to somebody like you and is every dead person a spirit? Like, does everybody come back as like a ghost or spirit? Yeah. So the, so I don't think it's so much as a realm as like, I feel like things are layered on top of each other. Like, I don't feel like it's like a hierarchy or like we're here and then it's stacked on top of us or below us. Like I don't, that's just not the energy. I think it's just it is our openness to the connection of outside of ourselves and outside of like our logical brain, essentially, like out of like the logic, the I'm seeing this in real time sort of thing. So I find a lot of like, it's like, you kind of have to be imaginative and creative <laughs> maybe to like connect with it. Cause it's as much as we want to 
oh, like make things logical. Like to me, it's very much like being open to the possibilities and the spaces that we can't put things into. I, with spirits that um, have crossed over, at least when I'm in mediumship sessions, sometimes not always, but like a good, a good amount of times, like I'll see what their heaven or afterlife world looks like. Like they'll be in a certain setting and maybe it's their happy place or whatever it is. I did a, I personally did a death meditation about three years ago. And when I went to my other side, I was in this like rich, lush, vivid jungle. It was so beautiful, but like, (laughs) wait, 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 you got to back up, Nicole. Hold on, (laughs) hold on, hold on. Okay. What is a death meditation? And what do you mean when you saw your other side? What do you mean by that? So uh, the death meditation, it was like a three-day thing I did with a couple of really amazing death doulas. And they take you through meditation where you kind of die. Like you go through the experience of what death would be like when you kind of surrender to leaving this realm behind, like leaving your story of this realm behind. So can I, can I just ask, cause I, I want to, I just want to have a clear understanding. So is it like totally just like the ritual aspect of it and like, okay, now you're dying or is there like something involved that like, you know, how some people use ayahuasca for different experiences, oh, no. things like that. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. It was a ritual like that's in the, like, now you're dying. Like they took us through imagining ourselves like dying. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds like really intense, but maybe I'm just an intense person. I love that stuff. <laughs> Let's do it. You know. Um, and so it, they took us through that process of imagining ourselves dying and then just releasing our attachment to this realm and our stories, like our, our, our identity to this realm kind of, and where I travel to, and they just left the space open. Like you just kind of have to trust wherever you go and whatever you see. And just for me, it was just like this beautiful, it was so stunning over there for me, but that's, that would be my ideal place. It's just like this warm, just beautiful lush jungle with these beautiful pools of water. Like that would be my yummy. Oh my gosh. Yes. This is what it's like over there. And so, I mean, my belief is when people cross over, they kind of just from what I've seen, like, it's not like everyone's like in this, like cloudy, in the sky space. Like some people will, I've been in the back of a truck with someone and that was by a lake fishing. And that was very on brand for that person. Like that had crossed over. I've been in a kitchen. I've been, you know, in some really interesting ethereal space that like every spirit's kind of different. If they show me a space, like this is where I am sort of thing. And like some spirits will be different ages than when they passed or, you know, like they kind of get to create their own world is my experience. Like is they create their own, their own world, but it's, it's more like, I don't look at it as like, oh, it's over here or it's above us or below us. It's just, it's layered, but not as apparent to us in our waking life, I guess. <laughs> that's like kind of crazy <laughs> and mysterious, but that's the best way I can explain it. Cause it doesn't feel far away. It just feels like we have to be willing to let let ourselves go there. Like we have to release our attachment to this world that we know of, right? Because it's, we're so fixated in the logical sense of it. So it's kind of like dumping away some of the logic. (laughs) Okay. So like, 
if if everybody's going to like everybody, you know, every dead person is essentially like the spirit. First of all, it sounds like a party because that's like a lot, a lot of people. That's you yeah. know, millions of years of people. That that sounds like a party. But does everybody have spirits around them? Because you know, you said like uh, earlier on in this interview, you'll walk down the street, and even if you see, sometimes you might see something just with a stranger, you won't necessarily say anything, but you'll see something. Is is that mm-hmm. like most people have spirits around them or no? I believe everyone has a spiritual team. Like I believe everyone does. It could be, and this is where I try not to in any reading impose my labels or terms or beliefs. Like if you're like, I want to connect with this and this, and I you don't believe in this, that's fine. I'm not here to like, so if people are like really into like, I want to refer to them as angels. I want to refer to them as my guides or my ancestors, my crossover loved ones. Um, you know, I believe everyone has people that are connected to them um, that necessarily aren't in a human body right now. <laughs> so like, how do I, like, do I have any, how do I find them? Like, how do I connect with them? Like a lay person like me who doesn't have any basis or foundation for like how mm-hmm. to do anything like that? Like, is it, do I have spirits around me? Like, is that something that you can pick up on when we're like over Zoom? Yeah, not in this moment. Cause I have to kind of like shift my whole mm. like energy, but I would say like, I think if anyone wants to start that, I think curiosity is such a valuable thing in this process. So I would just start researching and seeing what resonates with you, what feels true for you. So maybe it is ancestor work. Maybe that's where you start. Maybe it is angels. Maybe that's where you start. Maybe it is animal spirits. Maybe it's the plant spirits. Like it's very, like, I think it's the, the biggest service you can give yourself in this is to really honor what feels true and yummy for you and exploring it and just like letting your curiosity and releasing expectations or like rigid ideas around it. It could be crossed over loved ones. I will say for me, when we do like a psychic reading where it's like, I'm essentially asking your, your guides or your higher self or like things like that, that haven't been in a human body recently, that energy is a little different than, um, when someone, crossed over recently and was in a human body recently. And what I mean personally by recently is like the last hundred years or so, like there's just kind of like a different energy imprint on them. Um, And so I don't know, like I personally believe in reincarnation. I don't need, like if someone doesn't, that's totally fine. I don't know if there's something over on the other side where they, you know, after a hundred years, they get the opportunity to reincarnate or reincarnate right away. I don't, I don't know how that whole system works necessarily, but I will say most of the time, if someone has been alive in the last like hundred years, I, we can connect to them, but any, in that energy is a little more draining to connect with. than I would say things that have not been on this earth in the last hundred years, or like at least in this reality sense that you and I are in, Mm -hmm. in like this matter. Um, and, and density, like they haven't been here in this reality layer in, in a while, you know, in like some material, like physical aspect, like you and I are in right now. Mm-hmm. So if I wanted to be like, is my, like, I was very close to my grandmother. And if I wanted to find out like how to connect with her after she passed, 
then, you know, that's obviously within the last hundred years. So that would be something that would be a little bit more attainable. Yeah. And, and I think what's great to start with is asking your grandmother, I'm really big on ancestor altars and you don't have to do a whole altar if that doesn't feel calling to you, but I think it would be nice, like put up a picture of your grandma, light a candle, maybe give her a little offering of something you think she would like. Maybe there's a figurine or a flower or just something that, yeah, vodka, totally. (laughs) Like wine and stuff like that on my altars. And just tell her that you would really like to receive a sign from her and make it very specific. So not just like, I don't know, like the sign from my mom is mermaids. And so like when I really need to know she's with me, I will ask her for a mermaid. And when my dog crossed over, my dog was going to cross over. We, she got really old and we knew we were going to be putting her down the last day that she was alive. I was just, I was a mess. And cause I got the dog, I got that dog that it's funny. Cause I actually, I have the mug with like my oh, dog. <laughs> I got that dog the day my mom passed away. So this dog like literally kind of saved my life. And I was just really upset. And I just asked my mom, I was like, I just need to know that you're going to be there to greet her. And on our walk with my dog, like our last walk, I found a mermaid tail, like a little figure mermaid tail on the sidewalk. And like, there was nothing that I could be like, it was just in like a neighborhood. And I was like, okay, she's, she's letting me know. And so like, ask something very specific from your grandma. Like, can you show me, or can you play this specific song or just, Mm-hmm. And it's just about trusting it, but make sure it's something that you can, when it comes to you, like you're going to realize it, it came to you. Right. So like, maybe if you ask to see like a hummingbird and you're not going to go, if you're asking like, can you send me a live hummingbird in my garden, but you're not actively like going to go spend time in your garden, it's going to be kind of hard for them to, you know, send you that sign. But I would say asking for a specific sign from your grandma is is a good place to start to like open that communication. And so that you can trust it too, because mm-hmm. trust is so important in this and try not to like gaslight yourself over it. <laughs> try not to like, you know what I mean? Like, because like there is a magic to it that I think it goes, we have to be willing to be that wondrous child again and return to that innocence to be like, okay, yes, there's things that I can't explain. And that's amazing. And I'm open to receiving that. Like I'm so open to receiving this and it doesn't have to make logical sense. No, I like that because I I find so much of life doesn't make logical sense anyway. So I'm happy to keep my mind open in a lot of things. I just like, if I don't have the answers, I'm not, I'm not going to try to be logical necessarily because what the hell do I know? But, you know, you mentioned animals and I, I have two animal questions. Mm-hmm. So one has to do with haunted houses, which you brought up. So y- you've got experience. I'm pretty sure the childhood house that we lived in was haunted. So it's about 125 years old now. Uh, my parents still live there. We had a dog growing up, Molly, and she would not go in certain areas of the house. Like she would die before she went into the basement. She would Mm. just not go like you could and like my dad, you know, he has like those little workshop down there. My parents do their exercises down there, but it's, it's unfinished. It's spooky. It's old, but you could like grab Sadie by the, or Molly by the collar and like try to pull her downstairs. And she was the sweetest thing ever, but she'd probably try to bite you. There was a Mm -hmm. certain corner 
of the house, just a random corner that she would do the same thing, not step foot in. And if her ball ran over there, she would just kind of Mm -hmm. run around it and bark and like, I don't know, like put the brakes on anyway. It was really weird. And it was like this Mm -hmm. her entire life that she was in that house with us. Is that... Like, can dogs perceive that stuff? Because we all we made jokes all the time, like, oh, the house haunted, Molly sees ghosts. But we also believed it without doing anything about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Animals and children have, they're just so connected to those realms. Like, they're, they're just so connected to those realms. And so, yes, I very much believe that there was just some kind of energy. And, and here's the thing with hauntings is, um, you know, my belief is, is it doesn't necessarily have to be a ghost per se. I mean, some spirits are very attached to locations and they may visit it. They may spend a big part of their time, like, you know, there, but I would say like, it could be, it could be a spirit. It could have been just like what I call an energy stain. Maybe something happened there and was like either traumatic or just like really emotionally intense. And it just kind of left an energy stain in that area. I'm really big on the elements. And so I feel like certain elements, just like how crystals work, they carry different frequencies and vibrations. So like a brick is going to absorb energy different than wood. And, you know, if the base, I don't like basements, we have a basement that's like kind of redone. I still don't like it just because I feel like the energy just pits down there. It just like sucks it all in. And like, I like have to go down there and I'm always trying to clear it, but still, I don't really love hanging out down there, but I just feel like because it's in the soil, like it just, it just absorbs so much and it can just get stuck in there. So when there's a haunting or if there's ever like, I feel like this place may be haunted. I think it's so worth bringing in someone who's an expert in that to see like, is this an energy stain? Is this something like maybe going on in the household, maybe not in the past, even with your family dynamic that like goes over there, is there a connection to a spirit who um, is really attached to the property and is maybe more activated by the, your family dynamic? You know, is it, um, I do think energy can take on its own form and feel like an entity in a lot of ways. Is it a projection of any fears or any trauma happening in the household? Like there's just there's so many layers. Like I know as humans, we want just a really satisfying, like (laughs) here's the few possibilities, but like, again, that's when you bring in someone who kind of understands that and is able to explore it, like most things can be cleared out, but animals, you know, they pick up on things. I feel like a lot, not all, but most animals are really sensitive to that and they pick up on it. And even they are just like, I don't maybe necessarily know what it is. I just know that energy, how it interacts with me and my body does not feel good. And I don't want that. (laughs) All right, Nicole, we're going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by True Earth. True Earth, if you listen to our podcast, you know that Shane and I have been obsessed. All right. So we have been in a constant, making a constant effort to reduce our environmental footprint because you take up a lot of that kind of space 
when you are a family on the move and, you know, there's four of you living in a house. So one way that we're doing that is by trying to eliminate single-use plastics in our household. And with two kids and like two of us, that's a lot of garbage and a lot of stuff that just builds up. So if you want to find one place where you can just make a small change and then maybe you'll move to bigger changes later, but just start with your laundry detergent. That is a lot of plastic, you know, used to make those jugs. It's a lot of water wasted to dilute the detergent. Make the change to True Worth's soluble detergent strips. So these are like pre-measured soluble strips and you simply rip them apart and put them in your washer and then they dissolve and that is the detergent. It doesn't need extra water. There's no plastic in the packaging. And in fact, it's so compact, like, oh, I don't know, like point two of an inch. It's nothing. It tidies up your laundry room. You have so much more. Like we have three years worth of laundry detergent in there. And it takes up like, I don't know, three inches on our shelf. It's amazing. It actually looks clean in there. Uh, as a family with kids who have sensitive skin, we usually opt for the baby detergent because it's fragrance-free, it's gentle on everyone's skin, and it's still so tough on dirt. Our clothes come out smelling great and crispy clean, but now they also have a lilac breeze scent that Shane and I absolutely love, and I highly suggest you check out that one too. And if you want to, you can go to true.earth and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 to get 10% off your order, and you're going to love this product. Take our word for it. Again, that is true.earth and this family tree 10. And now let's get back to our conversation. Yeah, no, you know, honestly, it was like the the most evidence I've ever had for an easy belief in ghosts or spirits or something watching that dog because it went on for like a full decade at that house. It was so weird. Like it was really spooky. Like, I, I don't know how how else to describe it but how like how did you know your houses were haunted you talked about having lived in a few ha- haunted houses they were like comically haunted not comic <laughs> that's the wrong word I have a dark sense of humor um, oh yeah like and the, then we just found out like one house we moved into and I grew up in Vegas so all the houses aren't necessarily the oldest no, there yeah like, my mom and I moved around a lot just because I think she was just a magnet for these places Um, like one house we moved into wasn't even that old. There was only one family that lived there before us, but the, the husband had hung himself in the downstairs bathroom. We found out after we moved out. And when we went in there, like my mom got, my mom had mental health stuff and, you know, had experienced a lot of abuse in her childhood. But like, when we went in there, like the depression that you could feel in there, just from that spirit's energy was so thick. It just felt like we were all walk, trying to walk through like velvet blankets, like comforters all the time. And she got so depressed. Our animals were really sick and running away. Our, we had like one house like that. I was terrified all the time. Like I was just in a constant state of terror in that house. I was so afraid. I constantly felt like something was watching me. I remember that like, I could not sleep because I just felt like something was just staring at me all the time. And then we lived in another haunted house that was pretty old. It was a ranch house. And we found out the history, like the mob had been like hiding bodies in there. A little girl what? died. Someone else had suicide on the property. But like my uncle's like bed literally shook like the exorcist, like animals were sick and going missing. Like we found like dried blood rant. We found like no fresh blood in a hung cat in the meat cellar. Cause it was like a working ranch. Yes. It was like, 
it, it was like, um, like, um, like what, that's why I'm like comical. Like it was like, this feels fake. Like this feels not. And then I found the owner because this house, I still, this house, when, when the owner who leased it out to all these different people and it always had renters, but the owner who owned it still owns it. And I'm, I watched it on Zillow. Cause I was like, I'm going to buy that house up and have like paranormal investigators come and study it. I don't want anyone to have to live there ever again, but I'm so fascinated by whatever the hell's happening in this house. But the, I found the owner's daughter, uh, eventually on Facebook and randomly contacted her. I was like, Hey, um, I don't know if this sounds weird. And just kind of was like, blah, 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 blah. like I lived in this house with my mom, like a really long time ago. So she's like, Oh no, that house is haunted. Like we've had, and just told me all of these stories. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, now, you know, like her mom lives in there now and isn't doing well. And I think it's because of the energy and just entities and things that live in this house. Um, but it's very, I also feel like the desert is really spooky because again, I'm really into the elements and I feel like not getting a lot of rain holds energy differently. Like when you live in an atmosphere that isn't cleansed by water in that way, mm-hmm. it, um, hold onto things a little bit more. And like, I'm really fascinated by the mineral context in the soils and how that has to do with energy. And then, you know, even like lead paint and like, just like a lot of the elements that were used in houses back in the day with the metals, I feel like holds onto energy mm-hmm. more too. So, you know, I think there's a lot of different areas of like, where maybe more active hauntings are than others. Um, but yeah, that we just lived in houses where it was like, are you like, you just feel like you're in like, a, like one of those like conjuring movies. You're just like, what is this? It's like, I, I want you to like see this house. Like, I need you to like be here in Canada to check out this house because I, I need you to tell me what's in there. I need somebody to tell me what's in there because my parents still live there. Send me a picture of it. If you send me okay. a picture of it, I can try and like tune into the energy. I've done that okay. before with someone. And we actually like, when they went and looked up the records, it proved that the spirit that I was picking up in, on actually, there was someone that fit that. Ex- Do you want a picture of the basement too? Yeah. You can send me a picture of the basement. And then if you have a shot of like the outside of the house, like, you know, like, like a, a broad of a spectrum to encompass all of it. Yeah. And I can see if there's any answers I can get 100%. I'll be there. Well, you know, I'm going to be there after this call. And this was my second question that I had for you. Uh, second animal question. Mm -hmm. So my parents are in Florida, right? They left last night. They're going on vacation. They help out a lot with my kids and they need some time away from that to party, which is great. Uh, and I'm taking care of their cat. Their cat belonged to my mom's mom and she got it when her husband died like just as a companion. Then when she went into a home close to the end of her life, my husband and I took the cat over. And then we had the kids and it was just a lot. Our house was busy and my parents were like, oh, we would love a cat. Like we want to take her. So they took her. And she's 17 or so years old. And right before my mom left, she called me bawling her eyes out uh, because she thinks that the cat is at the end of her life and that it might not even be able to wait until they're home. So I might have to take her. So mm. I'm curious because we're going to have to make the call when I go over and check her out like this evening, um, depending on how she's doing. So is there any way, and I think this could be good information for anybody who has to like lose an animal because they're like family. Uh, is there any way that you can help them or ease 
their anxiety, their worries, their suffering? Yes, for sure. Well, I want to give a shout out to one of my mentors who's an amazing pet psychic. Um, Her name's Bridget. And she's taught me a lot about just connecting with animals. Like everyone can connect with their pets and talk to their pets. I know that seems like, how is that possible? But like, they're so connected to you. It's, it's such a fluid relationship. I would say when an animal is getting ready to cross over the, the best thing you can do is because most of them see themselves as like protectors or caretakers for you. A lot of pets do. Now, I don't want to say all right. Cause that's so rigid, but most do <laughs> is like letting them know it's okay. Like soothing them, like give, letting them know that you'll be okay. Thanking them, extending gratitude, letting them know they did a good job, you know, like just letting them know, like you want them to be at peace. Like you want them to like, and it's not the end. Like I have on my altar, um, on my mantle, I have an altar for my dog that passed away, a, you know, a little over a year ago talk to her every day. I have a picture of her and stuff like that. Um, the, you can talk to them afterwards too. They connect in those ways too, but it's, I think it's so great to like into your body. If you're able to hold them, like I held my dog mm-hmm. when, when they helped her cross her That's a and I kind of just, yeah, I just imagine myself as like, like a mother holding a baby the first time, like you're so safe. Like if you can tune into letting your body and your energy to be a safe place without attachment. It's like, you know, it's like the nest sort of like you, you're going to provide them like the safety for them to exit their physical form. Like you're going to be the anchor for them to transition. So it's like, I would say anchor into your body first ground into yourself as best as you can. I know it's going to be emotional, but try to like ground into yourself as best as you can do. Like if you do some deep breaths, whatever's going to help calm you so that you can be that energetic space for them and just talk to them. Just be like, you know, I love you so much. You don't have to, especially when they get older, if they're in pain, like you can leave your body. It's safe to leave your body. This is not the end of our relationship. We can still talk. You know, you don't have to stay here for me because sometimes pets like, like, this is my duty. I have to stay for you. But just the same way that I, I, I would treat it as kind of like when you let, I, I imagine, I mean, my kid's only five, but I imagine you kind of let your, your kid know, like, you know, I know you're, you're leaving the house now and you're maybe going to college or whatever, but you know, this isn't the end of our relationship. It's just different now. Like just letting the end, it's just different. This is just a change, but I would say just holding that space for them to know that they're safe and you, you know, just shower them with love, just shower them with so much love and know it's okay to be scared. Like you can just be honest to say, I'm scared too. You're scared. I'm scared. Pets value honesty. I mean, they know the truth anyways, but like, I think that's what makes pets feel the safest is when we are honest mm-hmm. with ourselves and like that's the safest space that you can create no that's beautiful thank you so much and i i will i'll use that when because i i don't know for sure if i have to do it this week i might have to do it tomorrow um unsure and that's mm-hmm. like obviously so heavy uh yeah. and super sad i i mostly feel bad for my mom because it's kind of her last connection to her mom you know like that last mm-hmm. living connectors and mm-hmm. much like your dog and, and so that's so hard, but I appreciate that. So the last thing I want to ask you, I see you post a lot about like astrology and moon cycles and things like that. And again, so out of my realm, but I need, I want advice from you as a Pisces. I don't know anything about mm-hmm. what that means. 
Like, is there something I should do more of in my life, do less of any things I should like reach for to help me out? And that's, that's what I wanted to part with. Yes. For you. I mean, I think any prominent Pisces placements, but for you, your feet are really important for you to take care of. Like, I think foot detox baths would be great for your vitality. Cause your son is really kind of like your vitality and can be your sense of self. But I see it as like, this is your vital, your vital self. And like, usually I would say like for Pisces, your feet are really important to take care of. So like you may hold stress in your feet and things like that. So like noticing, checking in with your feet and how it feels like the energy there. If you, are you a vivid dreamer? Very. And I love a good foot massage. Yeah. Dream journal, like dream journal, do a dream journal in the morning. It's also really important for you to have a healthy relationship with disassociation. (laughs) So like have a healthy relationship of like, I like, it's really the awareness that I think is important for you to be like, yeah, like reality is a little too heavy today. I'm going to go watch, play my fantasy game or go do this. But it's like having the conscious reality of like healthy relationship with dissociation and escapism, because I think every Pisces needs a place to escape and just like be in their imagination and just fantasy realm and just whatever creativity, all that stuff. But it, to me, it's like important for Pisces to have a conscious choice of like, I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to come back to reality. Mm. <laughs> and then I'm going to come back to the realm in this world. And I think it's really important for you as a Pisces son to, um, I don't know how your, your son sign is in, but to have creativity and depending on your other placements, my husband is a Pisces son. He has some placements that are really rooted in perfectionism. I think it's really important for anyone with prominent Pisces to be messy creatives Mm -hmm. and not like hyper fixate on the end result or not, you know, if it's perfect, like just be chaotic creativity, just like, you know, uninhibited childlike creativity, not like I have to create this product or do this thing. (laughs) It's when like the, the grumpy, like old man Pisces comes out. I was like, rah, rah, rah. and it's like, you know, you have like this ability to really bring imagination and that the possibility of things that aren't logical here. So like, try not to let logic suffocate that joy out mm-hmm. of you. Done. Done. I love it. (laughs) Nicole, this has been so much fun for me. And I want you to tell the listeners, because I'm sure they're having a great time listening, uh, where they can go to find you on socials, where they can find you online, where they can possibly book a session with you, anything like that. Yeah. So I'm mostly on IG. It's nicolebarone.psychicmedium. And then, and like, be mindful because I have all these like weird scammer accounts. I like, I will never do them before reading. Um, so if you follow me and then get like a weird DM being like, I felt there was a curse on you or your loved one. That's not me. That's like a scam account. So I just want to put that out there. My website is oh-so-magicallife.com. So oh-so-magicallife.com, but it has a little hyphen in the middle. I'm kind of on TikTok. I'm trying to get like back up there. Um, it's a little, I don't know. I get sensory overwhelm on TikTok, um, but it's just at Nicole Byron on there. That's kind of the only places I live on the interwebs these days. Like I know I have other channels. I'm just not active on them. Oh, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It's uh, it's exhausting and it is so overwhelming. But yeah, yeah no, Nicole, this has honestly been 
so much fun. And I really, I really loved, I loved getting in the pet stuff too, but thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. It's been so nice to meet you. You too. Okay. Take care. Bye. Good job. Thank you. Psych. <laughs> that was a super fun one for me only because as I said, you know, a lot, like I have zero understanding of any of it. Like not, not even astrology. Aside from knowing I'm a Pisces and you're a Taurus, I don't know what those things mean together. Taurus means bull. Taurus means strong, maybe, right? That's like the I imagery. I don't know, but I have a bull tattooed on my arm. Should I get a fish tattooed on mine? Does this answer your question? Yep. What do you, okay, what comes to mind when you think of like fish, like Pisces? That's me. For me, barf comes to mind. I don't like fish. Um, <laughs> fishy smell. Because when I asked her, she told me my feet are important. And yeah. I was like, is that like a Pisces thing? Is that a me thing? Is that something that's coming through in the read? Well, I think it's one of those things that feet are just important and and it's like insult like just we can't even walk around our house like it it is it's like your knees are important your hip so it's one of those things it's going to mean something to everyone and you just say it and you know it's going to resonate i wore seven inch heels at the wedding last night not seven like what five or six inch heels and my feet are killing me today and i was so appreciative of my feet from yesterday before the wedding that could like stand up without yeah. hurting. Maybe she was just like foreshadowing that, the pain that I would be going through. But Shane, let's get into the questions. We are going to do a couple of them. I want to know. When you say questions, this is the mailbag segment from listener questions. Yes. So I'm getting ahead of it because I, I love this episode. I love this time. But Shane, what is the most memorable Halloween you had as a kid? When I went as the classic shitty cardboard with that thin rubber band that always breaks. Like a mask. I went, yeah, just that crappy cardboard mask. And I was um, embarrassed, but I, I, it was all I had. My mom bought it for me. It was Bart Simpson (laughs) and people loved it. (laughs) And I went the, the first house I went to this uh, woman was just like Bart Simpson. (laughs) Bart Simpson and she called her whole family they were all excited I felt like I was on a prank show but it was just my mom was howling and um like oh she was a werewolf (laughs) no but it was just so funny and I just thought oh wow like anything's possible like when you think something's bad it could actually be good to other people and that's one that I always remember there's another one where we were sick and my mom just kind of put a lot of candy in our trick-or-treat bowls for <laughs> us awesome. and we we went to maybe three houses well that's awesome that's nice that's real thoughtful and then you get you get the vibe for me it was this one Halloween. like i don't remember how old i was i was a kid maybe 10 and it was just fun like we went trick-or-treating with a bunch of like my parents friends and their kids from the neighborhood and it was like a beautiful night then we had like Rocky Horror kind of playing in the background. The parents were kind of dancing. It's like, I don't know, a weeknight. The parents are kind of partying and all the kids, we all had like, you know, when you go with the pillowcases and you yes. fill up multiple pillowcases full of candy. So we were dumping our final pillowcases in just a massive candy pile on the floor. Like it was, it, I don't know, there was like seven 
to 10 pillowcases worth of candy on the ground, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's ridiculous. And the parents were partying and me and my brother and like, you know, six other kids were just eating ourselves stupid full of candy. And it was just the best vibe. And that feeling, like I still have that on Halloween, even though I haven't had a night like that since. It's a very comforting feeling. Yeah. And that's kind of what I want the kids to have. And like seeing Halloween from their eyes is fun. And then the other most memorable Halloween is when I was 14 um, in grade nine. The Halloween dance, I went as a pirate and I had my first kiss at the Halloween dance. Tongue or no? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, during the dancing. And then people formed. Because <laughs> you know you know what I'm like making out, right? I don't stop. Mm-hmm. So I guess it went on for a little bit. And then all of our friends had formed a big circle around us and we hadn't realized. And then when we finally stopped kissing, everybody around us started cheering. <laughs> And that was my first kiss with anybody. And it was so funny. And uh, it was like a very good reception. I'd be so humiliated. (laughs) No, we didn't care. It was so funny. (laughs) Do you remember when we went to see Rocky Horror Picture Show with my mom and my my stepdad? (laughs) So we went to uh, the Zoetic in Hamilton where they actually, they do it up the way you're supposed to, where you shout out certain things at the screen. But the things you shout out, it's just people know these things that you shout out. It's like scripted. It's scripted and there's like a rule to it. It's almost like a game. And then you um, you, you say it in unison, right? Mm. Uh, but my stepdad didn't know that. He thought you could just yell out anything <laughs> you wanted at any time. So he's like, hey, cocksucker. Because <laughs> when Brad comes on the screen, you yell out like dickhead or something, right? And uh, or like. I don't know. There's something you yell out. And then Brad, like, he'd hear that. And then he'd, like, I'd look at him. And it was so funny because he'd start to get pumped up. And he's laughing at everybody yelling. And then he just, in just the desire to be a part of it. He's like, yeah, you cocksucker. Yeah, fuck you, you piece of shit. And everyone's like, no, it's not like that. And then afterwards, he got so drunk, he he attacked me at the house. And me and my stepdad were almost gotten a, like, a, a fist fight. But it wasn't it wasn't like like a malicious attack. It was like wasn't it like a kind of like let's wrestle and see who's stronger kind of Yeah, vibe? but then when I wouldn't, he got mad and wanted to kind of like sock me one. Was that And I was running away because I was a little scared. Had he ever done that before? No. <laughs> I couldn't Never. picture that. He's not like that. He's the nicest man on yeah. earth, which just made it weird. <laughs> but that was a memorable one. He got riled up. It was a good movie. Um, the next question, we don't have Halloween in my country. So what is the best way to start the tradition? It seems like a lot of fun. Get like family. I don't know. We did a cool Halloween today that didn't involve like getting people you don't know. We just had all of our kids dress up in costumes, dress up like anything, like your favorite character, superhero, a monster, whatever. And then we went to this beautiful park and we hung up a Halloween pinata full with candy and it was like a big pumpkin and then the kids hit the pinata all the candy fell out and then while they're doing that and busy all the parents just like threw hundreds of chocolate bars in the grass and then the kids just went on a chocolate bar scavenger hunt after that yeah that's the best way to do it because you're not going to be able to indoctrinate a town to for everyone to wouldn't that be wicked though 
yeah, who knows? Maybe you can. I, I don't like putting limitations on anyone, but it would seem very difficult to get a whole town to have candy mm-hmm. waiting for children. Like even in Canada, in Hamilton, the, where we are, we only get maybe one or two kids. Oh my gosh. It's so frustrating because we, we buy lots of candy. But like my parents who live two blocks down, two blocks, get over 100 and then we'll get, what, 10 yeah, the nicer the house you live in, the more likelihood you are to get lots of children. Because then they're they're thinking they get the full chocolate bar, maybe. Oh, which is the best. Um, and Shane, the final question for the night. If you were being given the death penalty, what would you want your last meal to be? I wouldn't even give a shit. I think about this often. <laughs> and it's not, not like the nature of the question is just so, supposed to be like, what would be the best meal? I'd be so nervous. I couldn't eat. My stomach would be in knots. I wouldn't even be hungry. Um, but what would, what would I want? I think I'd want to take advantage of the fact that the people that were going to kill me had to feed me whatever I wanted. So I just want to like, soak them you know what i mean like i just want to make them soak them i don't know that expression like like you want in debt like i just i just want to make them have to go so far out of their way to get me like very specific stuff that i liked there's limitations they're not going to get you anything really they don't like if you're like i want a cheesecake from this place they won't go to that specific place they might do that but that's not soaking them (laughs) at least in the way i understand the term (laughs) what if it was far like what if i'm like i want the mont blanc from cafe angelina which has been on my mind for the last three months from paris would they fly it in no they're not flying in things no they're not they'll go to swiss chalet and taco bell probably i'd be happy with taco bell yeah, Taco Bell would be good. Swiss Chalet something I think about for a final meal. The keg. I would love a blue cheese, the keg steak. And, you know, you can, okay, actually, if you had to do like a standard restaurant meal, like something that's easy to get, the keg might be the best for a last meal because like everything is pretty good there. I miss the keg. I miss the keg too. To go. Yeah, but the blue cheese steak, they have tasty desserts. Yep. That's it. That's the answer. There you go. Happy Halloween, everybody. And thank you so much for listening to This This Family Family Tree Tree Podcast, Podcast, episode 148.